0: Halloween. I think he'll come back.
1: Halloween, the night he came home. Rated R.
2: Hello, and welcome to the horror called Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces. Of Genre Cinema, I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And I thought I'd do it a bit dramatic uh, during this episode, the, the introduction. Oh, I you weren't
0: feeling very
2: well. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, it gets, it gets more difficult to uh, say the intro in one breath these days, but I'm doing it dramatic because this episode deserves it. We are discussing what I consider to be the greatest film ever made. Absolutely. And it also... Ooh. Uh, sorry, what were you saying? I said it's hmm. definitely up there. I mean, it also deserves it because of Donald Pleasance's uh, dramatic performance in the sequel. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. So, you know, rest in peace Donald Pleasance. that's our little tribute, bit, bit of drama, bit of melodrama. Um, but I'm just going to shut up and tell you what we're talking Please. about. We're talking about John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978 and we are discussing it. To kick off our Halloween season this year, for which the theme is Michael Myers Through the Years. Now you, you might be wondering, Gary, why is it Michael Myers Through the Years and not Halloween Through the Years? Because we got impatient to talk about Halloween free, and we discussed it last year. Go back to episode 69 <laughs> if you'd like to hear us discuss Halloween 3. So we are just discussing the Michael Myers films, which is every other film in the franchise. Thank you. Uh, no, you know this, but our listeners don't.
0: I've got to explain it. <laughs> we, we weren't desperate to talk about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. You were desperate to talk about it. Well, it's a classic. But it was, it was fun a fun episode, actually. A yeah. fun episode. I highly recommend going back and listening to it if you haven't already listened first,
2: to it. First episode we recorded whilst living in Salford yes. as
0: well. So we're doing Halloween properly this year. Uh, We did Halloween episodes last year, they went well, it was fun, but Halloween in 2020 was a little bit of a dud. We didn't get to go anywhere, didn't get to see anyone, didn't get to properly celebrate. So we're going all out this year, we're starting from the very beginning, you know, October 1st, 31 Days of Horror, Halloween, Michael Myers, all that business, proper going for it, really excited.
2: In celebration of Halloween curls as well.
0: Yes, that's also true. Uh,
2: And for anyone who... Which should have came out in 2020. Yes, well, these episodes were going to be last year. Absolutely. But it got delayed. Uh, And for anyone who enjoys our um, Halloween classics episodes, a lot of people do, they're very popular. Um, They're some of our most popular episodes. Uh, We apologise, they'll be back next year. But this is a Halloween classic. It is the greatest Halloween film ever made. It's in the fucking title. It's my favourite horror film ever. It's my favourite film. I fucking love it so much. Uh, just, it's just perfect in every damn way possible. I mean, you know, I, it took me a long time before I realised what my favourite film was. But then the, the more I watched it, I realised it It was absolutely this. It's It's a minimalist film. It's scary. It's camp. It's got Jamie Lee Curtis, my favourite actress. It's got Donald Pleasance. John Carpenter's one of my favourite directors. He directs it. To perfection, it's a masterclass in filmmaking, the soundtrack, iconic villain, PJ Souls, getting the tits out, everything, absolutely everything you could want from a film. It is perfection, and we are going to spend the next hour or so wanking over it before we talk about Halloween 2. Lovely. I don't think I
0: could have put it more enthusiastically. Exactly.
2: Um, but Yeah. uh, in all seriousness, it is just a perfect film, and we will be discussing Halloween 2 after for this special double feature episode. So Let's get to it. Yes. Who directed it? John Carpenter, I've just said. Who the fuck's that? <laughs> Director of The Thing, previous podcast film The Fog, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in Little China, Assault on Precept 13, the list goes on. Never heard of him. Shut the up. F- Ah, didn't he do uh, Escape from LA? Yeah, he did do Escape yeah. from LA, he did the ward as well. Oh, Ghost of Mars. Yes. Love that. Love that film. Uh also composed by John Carpenter as well, of course. Budget, three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars made seventy million worldwide.
0: This was the at the time the most successful independent film yeah, of all absolutely. time, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And and rightly so. I mean this is the kind of shit people eat up. Yeah you know in cinemas at home you know this is this is quintessential horror film that doesn't because it's not overly anything so it's not overly camp it's not overly gory it's not overly silly it's scary but it's not ridiculous yeah um that it's actually the perfect horror film yeah Re- really for everyone i my mum would watch this i would watch this I know people who are proper gore hounds that love this film. Yeah.
2: You know? Yeah, it's it's a massive piece of horror history. It's a massive piece of film history. Um, yeah, no,
0: I'm sorry, yeah, being the most successful independent yeah, film yeah, yeah, yeah. makes it part of cinematic uh, history.
2: And, and of course, you know other independent films that went on to make a lot of money, um, you know, you're looking at Blair Witch, you're looking at Paranormal Activity, a lot of found footage films uh, with that sort of budget going on to make that sort of money. Um, and, you know, whilst I love those films, it can be said that they conjure up scares quite easily with um, the whole realism thing and, and, and whatnot, you know, being handheld and not filmed like a proper film. But this, what John Carpenter achieved here... For that budget is unbelievable. It's absolutely crazy. Because it is shot like a proper film. Like, the cinematography is phenomenal. Yeah. The soundtrack is phenomenal. The performances, everything about it, you know. And, and all on that tiny budget. That is so impressive. And full credit to Deborah
0: Hill as well. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a huge part of the making of this film. Uh, and the second one. Um, yeah, it, it really it, it really is just... And, the, and Deborah the Hill's involvement,
2: made. and obviously, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis launching a career on this film, and her character being such an empowering character, it's a, it's a massively empowering film for women. Yeah. You know? Um, a lot of people look down on the slasher films between the 70s and the 80s. Um, a lot of people call them misogynistic. It's not the case here. You know, you, it's very clear. Your hero is Laurie Schrode and she knows what she's doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: She's got, ev- you know, she's got survival instincts. She's got everything to her yeah. that you could want from a protagonist. It's, you know, she's a perfect character. Uh, but getting into the trivia, the original script titled The Babysitter Murders had the events take place over the space of several days. It was a budgetary decision to change the script to have everything happen on the same day Doing this reduced the number of costume changes and locations required, and it was decided that Halloween, the scariest night of the year, was the perfect night for this to happen. Yeah, And it works in its favour. Yeah, absolutely. It does. John Carpenter considered the hiring of Jamie Lee Curtis as the ultimate tribute to Alfred Hitchcock, who had obviously given her mother, Janet Lee legendary status in Psycho. Yeah. Um, in the documentary uh, short, Halloween Unmasked, 2000, uh, it, w- it released in 1999, that just threw me off for a second. Uh, it was r- revealed that the crew had chosen two masks for Michael Myers to decide on. The first was a Don Post Emmett Kelly smiling clown mask that they put frizzy hair on, frizzy red hair. This was an homage to how he killed his sister Judith in a clown costume. They tested it out and it appeared very uh, demented and creepy. The other mask was a 1975 Captain James T. Kirk mask from star trek that was purchased for around a dollar it had the eyebrows and sideburns ripped off the face was painted fish belly white and the hair was spray painted brown and the eyes were opened up more they tested out the captain kirk mask and the crew decided that it was much more creepy because it was emotionless and history was made yeah
0: yeah um sometimes things fall in place Weirdly enough, and something that sounds absolutely ridiculous, you know, the Captain James T. Cut, yeah. A William, fucking William Shatner mask. Yeah. Actually turns out to be pretty much perfect.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy to think of it any differently now. You know, it's it's just as iconic as Jason Voorhees' mask would go on to be, and the look of Freddie and you, you see that mask, and you know straight away who it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Carpenter's intent with the character of Michael Myers was that the audience should never be able to relate to him. Uh, the story itself is based on an experience John Carpenter had in college touring a psychiatric hospital where he met a child who stared at him with a look of evil that just terrified him. And and that is what makes this film scary uh, and what makes some of the sequels less scary up until obviously the recent one is the fact that you can't relate to Michael Myers. You know he is just an empty person. There's he's just a guy who killed his sister and come back to terrorize his town. Happened to see Laurie Strode and stalked her and killed her friends. Yeah, that's it. That's why so many people call him the shape. Yeah, Because
0: just it's just a shape. There's no no emotion. There's he doesn't talk. Uh, we do see his face at the end of the film. It's pretty hideous. For some reason, I'm not sure why Is It's because he had his, uh, his eye.
2: Didn't something happen
0: to his eye? I might have. I might have. I but, that's after- but he literally just puts the mask back on. Yeah, the coat hanger. The coat anything." That's why. Okay.
2: Um, John Carpenter wrote the role of Linda for PJ Souls after seeing her performance in Carrie. Yes.
0: He's
2: really impressed by her two lines in Carrie. Well,
0: no, she was in Carrie more than she was meant to be. Because she was literally meant to be two lines in Carrie. Yeah. But Brian De Palma loved PJ Souls so much mm-hmm. that he extended the character for the film. So, I mean, we fucking love PJ Souls oh, yeah. on on a uh, Cool Trash of a. Um, I was going to say headquarters. <laughs> yeah, headquarters of yeah.
2: Horror Cool Trash of
0: just, just, just my home. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, we love her. Love her, everything that she's been in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. She's she been in a dirt. She's been in some random shit, but we haven't seen that random shit. No, so, we want to. You know. Know. We Rock and roll high be. school. Yes. Yeah, she's iconic in that. That's.
0: No. No, I did see her in Halloween first. In Carrie.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Halloween. But really early
0: on, I saw Rock and Roll High School.
2: Uh, Young Jamie Lee Curtis was so disappointed with her performance that she became convinced she'd be fired after her first day of filming. When her phone rang that night and it was John Carpenter on the phone, Curtis was certain it was the end of her career. Instead, he called her to congratulate her and tell her that he was very happy with the way things had gone. The fact that she was Janet Lee's daughter probably didn't hurt, uh, but according to uh, Hill, Curtis wasn't Carpenter's first choice. She, She says he wanted the daughter of the person on Lassie. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Thank God he didn't go for the daughter of the person on Lassie. Well, actually, who knows?
0: The daughter of the person on Lassie could have made a brilliant uh, Freaky (laughs) Friday film. You never know. Could have saved uh, Christmas to the cranks. (laughs) Because that was shite.
2: Uh, Although John Carpenter had originally hoped to get either Peter Cushion and Christopher Lee to play Dr. Sam Loomis... He was thrilled when Donald Pleasance accepted, of whom he was a huge fan. Pleasance was easily the oldest and most experienced person on the production, so understandably, Carpenter was quite intimidated when they met for the first time. Pleasance actually started by saying, I don't know why I'm in this movie, and I don't know who my character is. The only reason I'm doing this is because I have alimony to pay. And my daughter daughter in England is a rock and roll... My daughter in England is in a rock and roll group, and she said the movie that you did for Assault on Priest at 13 is cool. (laughs) Well, if Pleasance asked Carpenter difficult questions about his character, he turned out to be a good humoured, big hearted individual, and the two became great friends. Pleasance went on to appear in two other John Carpenter films.
0: Yeah, um, someone like Donald Pleasance elevates the film. And that's not to say that everyone else is shit, everyone does their parts really well. But having someone like Donald Pleasance elevates it. It gives it more attention. Yeah. But it's also someone who, and I'm not talking about the second film when I say this, someone who can act. Yeah. And can help others act. Uh Uh-huh. You know, Donald Pleasance was in many, many films. And this was before... uh, Excuse me, this was
2: after James Bond... It was, yeah. So he had quite a profile. Oh, yeah. You know? And I think his character helps turn it into, in a weird way, kind of like a monster movie, but set with people um, in suburbia. Absolutely Van Helsing. He is Van Helsing. Absolutely you know? Van Helsing. He, he is absolutely given Van Helsing. Um, but then putting that character in a suburban setting. Yes. It's what makes it stand out so much. And I the role is iconic. Yeah. It really is. Despite how it may progress throughout the sequel. Yes. Yes,
0: this this won't be the last time we speak of Donald Pleasant (laughs) as Sam Loomis.
2: Um, Deborah Hill wrote most of the dialogue for the female characters whilst John Carpenter concentrated on Dr. Loomis' speeches. You can tell. Yep. You can absolutely tell. It's that
0: banter between girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Um... (laughs) That's a little cunty at times, so we'll get oh, yeah. into that. Yeah. But it did, I mean, they all felt like real characters. Yeah. And, you know, they're not on screen a massive amount mm. giving, you know, monologues about, you know, their thoughts and their feelings and, and all this, that and the other. But they feel like very real characters. Yeah. And I'm saying it again, you've probably heard it a million times on this podcast... When you feel a connection to the characters, when the characters feel real and they're likeable,
2: it makes the events scarier. Mm -hmm. It it also helps when female characters actually speak like female characters, which is something we notice on this podcast doesn't happen a lot when you've got men in charge writing. Absolutely. Yeah. As the movie was actually shot in early spring in Southern California, uh, as opposed to Illinois in late October... The crew had to buy paper leaves from a decorator and paint them in the desired autumn colours, then scatter them in the filming locations. To save money, a se- after a scene was filmed, the leaves were collected and reused. However, as Jamie Lee Curtis and John Carpenter note on the DVD audio commentary, the trees are quite fallen and green and even some palm trees can be seen. Despite that despite the- in Illinois in October, the leaves would probably be mostly gone and there would be no palm trees due to the cold climate. Ah, uh, the state is mostly full of uh, deciduous, deciduous deciduous trees. Yeah. Um, also, fun fact: one of the guys in charge of the leaves in this film, Robert England.
0: Oh. Pretty Kruger well, himself.
2: Good for him,
0: getting a
2: little paycheck <laughs> between V and Eleanor uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> Street. Jamie Lee Curtis admits that she made up the just the two of us song. <laughs> she, no, she at the movie's beginning when she was walking home from school. It is iconic. It is. It's a top tier banger. <laughs> I mean, it's just and the fact that they brought it back in twenty eighteen on the radio is just amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do wish there was like a proper full version, <laughs> sung by Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, same. She should have had a pop career. I think. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't. A lot of actresses back then. Tried to do songs and didn't, didn't they? Yeah, I mean my favorite being Sissy Space who did a whole absolutely incredible country album. Well, generally, Kurt has had a dance career in. In uh, yeah, perfect prom night. And you and Prom perfect. Night. <laughs> oh god, yeah. <laughs> but you think prom night would have been perfect for Jamie to do a few songs oh, no, yeah.
2: on the soundtrack? <clears throat> yeah, imagine her singing prom night. Everything is all right. Exactly. PJ Souls went for you. PJ Soltz, who did a bit of singing in Rock and Roll High School... Uh, who, yes. He <laughs> should have had a,
0: another one who should have had a pop career.
2: She went to a screening of the film after it was released, sitting in the forefront of a regular audience. She was very amused when, during her nude scene, and the line of, see anything you like, a male audience member in the front shouted out, how, yes, I do. Oh. And she was right behind him. Dennis Quaid, uh, who Souls was dating at the time... Asked her if she wanted him to confront the man, but she declined, too amused on the experience. Quaid was originally supposed to play Bob Sims, Linda's Ah. boyfriend, before scheduling conflicts prevented it.
0: (laughs) I I think they got married in the end. I don't think they're together now, are they? No, no, I think he went on to marry Meg
2: Ryan, and, and I think divorced Meg Ryan. John Carpenter composed the score in four days, which is incredible. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's like Lady Gaga territory.
2: Yeah. Uh, when they were shooting the scenes for the start of the film... Uh, <laughs> I can do that with straight. face. Yes. It's kind of true, but I was joking. You can't make a Lady Gaga reference with a straight face. Lady, no, you can't. Lady
0: Gaga can write a million-selling song in, like, ten minutes.
2: So can John Carpenter, that's clearly. That's kind
0: of the narrative of Lady Gaga. And, this selling, and it took me five minutes...
2: When they were shooting the scenes for the start of the film, all the ones from Michael's point of view, they couldn't get a six-year-old child actor until the last day. So Deborah Hill volunteered to be Michael Myers for any scenes where his hands uh, come into view. This is why the nails on young Michael's hands look so well manicured and varnished. Us. I did think I was like, Michael, you've got and set of nails on you. In a 2010 documentary, it was revealed that five different people dressed as the shape Nick Castle. Oh. Throughout the movie. How come he gets all the attention? I don't know. I don't know, but he's the main one. Yeah. Um, and they also made a big deal about him coming back in 2018, but he was only in one scene, and it says breathing. Well, he's, I mean, I, I assume he's quite an elderly gentleman now. Yeah. Tony Moran, uh, Johnny M. Maskin scene. Oh, I see. Stuntman James Winburn. Production designer Tommy Lee Wallace due to his knowledge of how much force uh, would be needed to break props during action shots in a single take. Uh, and Deborah Hill! Oh, <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> um, Tony, uh, Tony stated that no one, were, uh, no one told him until he arrived on set that he'd be wearing a mask, uh, Tony Moran. Uh, Deborah explained that she happened to bring the costumes over that day and no one else was available for the shoot. Uh, no one said
0: he'd have to wear a mask. <laughs>
2: I'd get a fucking facelift for the... For it. <laughs> Originally, Nick Castle uh, was on set just to watch the film uh, get made, uh, but then John Carpenter asked him to be Mark Myers. okay. The wealthy film producer, Mustafa Akkad, uh, had admittedly little interest in the film and helped make it primarily due to the enthusiasm of John Carpenter and Erwin uh, Yablans. However, when the film turned out to be a huge box office smash, Akkad saw an opportunity... And he facilitated every Halloween sequel until his death in 2005.
0: Yeah, and then I believe his son has taken over. He has, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always his name at the beginning of the film, isn't
2: Yeah. not uh, This was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Very nice.
0: I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre's in there. It is. Lots of films are in there.
2: Uh, Deborah Hill and John Carpenter were a couple, not just business partners when they were playing this film. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis said in an interview they were horror film parents uh, and when they broke up, she cried. Oh, dear. As has been noted, the killer is referred to as the shape in the script and the credits of the film. The word shape uh, was used by Salem Witch Trials judges to... Describe spectres or spirits of the accused doing mischief or harming another person. Oh. Okay. Uh, according to Deborah Hill, the character Laurie Strode was named after John Carpenter's first girlfriend. What was
0: her name? Laurie Strode. Okay.
2: <laughs> John
0: Carpenter is a huge it's fan... It's one of those facts that I don't really have anything to say. But I'm like, oh yeah, that's interesting, thank you.
2: John Carpenter is a huge fan of Black Christmas. The he original certainly was a Slasher Film.
0: Yes,
2: he was. And asked Bob Clark if he could write a sequel to the film and received his permission. Uh but then it it's it ended up being Halloween.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, and and that's oh oh my god. We could talk for hours on what is the first slasher film, you know, what what's this, that and the other. But the, the influences are definitely there. Mhm. They, they yeah. Black Christmas and Halloween uh, but it takes and I've said this before on the podcast it takes a genius to take something yeah and elevate it and absolutely create. well elevate it uh, you know Black Christmas is one of my favourite horror films Halloween is as well um, but to create something new and great out of it with that well, yeah definitely
2: um, you knew it was coming a film like this you knew they'd have oh, something no. to say Roger Ebert and Gene <sighs> Siskel uh, Roger Ebert said that the scariest film he's ever seen was Halloween. Oh.
1: Uh,
2: And then recounted how when Gene saw it at a local uh, movie theatre, he was so scared he took a cab home, even though he only lived two blocks away from the uh, cinema. Oh, shit. And Gene then recounted how when he got home, he went to the shower and pulled the curtain back to see if anyone was in there. Oh. So we found the film that broke him. There
0: we go. Well, it's not overly gory, is it? No.
2: Salacious. Uh, so, Laurie's father is played by Peter Griffith, the father of Melanie. Oh, okay. And the ex-husband of Tippi Hedrick. Oh, come on, Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, for some reason, this character never shows up in the franchise again after the original opening scenes of Halloween. He doesn't even visit his daughter in the hospital. No. After she's been attacked. And I would just, well, we
0: get something with the mum in Halloween too. That makes very little sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Sandy Johnson... Uh, who plays Judith Myers, posed fully new for Playboy before getting into acting. She said in a rare interview in 2018... I don't know if this is rare anymore. She's always uh, looking to talk about Halloween She's, these days. Yeah, she is, bless <clears throat> her. I mean, get your money, love. Uh, she did it to earn money to help her dad oh, okay. who had cancer. Oh. Her willingness to go nude is how she got cast in the five films she'd made in her career, three in 1978, two in 1979. Except for Halloween, uh... All the others were teen sex comedies, and she appeared nude in all of them, and then left the business. Go on, girl. Get um, that many you Yeah, heads. beautiful girl. Can't really say much about her acting. She don't do much. To be fair, <laughs> beautiful girl. Um. For years after Halloween's release, people would tell John Carpenter how horrified they were by Mark Myers' grotesque face when uh, his mask gets pulled off. And you you mentioned. How I grotesque mentioned it was.
0: that. Did you think that was normal then?
2: All they saw was the ordinary face of actor Tony Mann oh, playing no. the role. You horrible person. How could oh, you say no, that? Oh how rude. <laughs> um, perfectly normal, except for the small knife we inflicted by Laurie during their struggle in the closet, uh, which was created with makeup. Carpenter cites this as, e- as evidence of the power of suggestion in cinema, that the audience saw a monster on screen, so assumed that he must look like a monster underneath the mask. Oh, so that's what happens. okay. me. Wow, I got played, didn't I? Finally, body count seven. Okay. Including the dogs. Aww. Oh. So. Oh, you've upset me now. Getting into the film. Yes. 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night, 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Adamfield, Illinois, to kill again. And we start with the iconic... I'm going to fucking take a drink every time I say iconic during this podcast episode. Well, can we change it to the Immortal Classic? The Immortal Classic. The Immortal
0: Classic. If you remember from episode 69, (laughs) uh, Halloween 3, there's an advert, a television spot, for um, Halloween, within Halloween 3. And it says the Immortal Classic. And it's only a few years removed... (laughs) Between the films, isn't there? And yeah. we did point out, it was like, that's, a, that's not very humble. In a
2: script written In by John Carpenter. In a script written by <laughs> John Carpenter. That's
0: not very humble, is it? I swear it takes at least, what, 20 years to become an immortal classic.
2: 50, oh, um, yeah, I've already said the plot, whatever. Iconic Pumpkin opening credits uh, with the iconic theme song followed by kids doing some form of trick-or-treat chant.
0: Iconic kids
2: doing a trick-or-treat chant. <laughs> But as soon as you see that punk and you hear that theme song, it's just, it's great. It always, no matter how many times you watch it, it really gets you pumped for the film. Yeah? Yes, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. On Halloween night 1963 in the fictional town of Haddonfield, Illinois, teenager Judith Margaret Myers and her boyfriend plan on getting it on, whilst her six-year-old brother Michael Audrey Myers <laughs> grabs a kitchen knife The middle names come from the TV version where they added really bizarre scenes um, and gave them middle names seemingly for no reason, just so they could pull the film up a bit. Well, yeah. Um, So, yeah,
0: poor Judith. I mean, she gets a shag that must have lasted 15 seconds maximum. Yeah. Now, this is all played out in real time and we're all (laughs) point of view... We're, you know, the camera is <clears throat> Deborah Hill with her manicured nails picking up a knife and uh, Judith and her boyfriend go upstairs and literally, literally, it must be like 15 seconds, Yeah, he's putting his shirt on and walking down the stairs, saying, like, I've got to go, see ya, bye, I'll call ya, and, and she's, she's all like, oh, it's like she just had the best time of her life. <laughs>
2: I mean, what's great I think about. 100% fucking packing! <laughs> what's great about this scene is the fact that you know, if it's your first time watching Halloween, it's first time. I mean, well, yeah. It must have been. I mean, you don't know who's behind the camera. No. You don't know who is picking up this knife. Just saying. Well. Who's, who's behind the mask? Who's that behind the mask? Who's that behind the mask? <laughs> Ah, oh, good. Something our American listeners can understand yeah. as well. Who are,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole audience is like, Take it off! Who are you? <laughs> That's me, it's Michael Myers. Ah, oh, you got us again. Never saw that coming.
0: But no, so it, it's a really iconic point of view sequence. And the big reveal, the big reveal, the big reveal,
2: it's a child. Yeah. Uh, before this, he puts on a clown mask and... Oh, we missed that. Yeah. Who would just talking about the... mask? Well, we were talking about the Masked Singer and got distracted. Okay. <laughs> on brand for us. Um, yeah, so he approaches his sister He's having a nice little sing-song, living the best life from her 15 seconds of wonder and joy. Um, She's got a top-off. Yeah. Um,
0: which is awkward enough with whoever's just walked in. Deborah Hill. Deborah Hill, Deborah Hill. Poor Deborah Hill. <laughs> Not poor Deborah Hill, <laughs> she's a beautiful girl. Uh, we can see
2: why she did Playboy. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so you approach Summoner Sing's song, and then when she sees who it is, she says, Michael! <laughs> <laughs> and we see the knife going up and down in a very psycho way, um, where you don't actually see the knife go in. No. But the sound effects are there, you can see the knife itself, see bits of her body, and then she's dead. Yeah, we're also
0: we were also like, looking at the knife up in the air as well. Yeah. We? So potentially there's a missing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, obviously. Like if you you're can tra- actually but she's try- still alive, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. If you're staring up at the ceiling, trying to stab her, <laughs> you can got to look where you're going, mate.
2: It's for what you don't see scares you. I know. I'm well aware. Um, Michael's parents arrive home. They take his mask off. The big reveal is a six-year-old kid. The three of them stand there outside the house lifeless until Michael's mother puts her hands in her jacket pockets and looks very unimpressed. Yeah. It's, oh, Michael, you've done it again. Fucking yeah, killing Yeah, kind of. It is a bit like,
0: Michael? <laughs> and they just stand there staring at each other. Yeah, the music plays. I mean, that's like yeah. I, got, I, I won't say iconic because it's going to get a bit annoying. <laughs> what should I say? Um, oh, I'll think of an immortal. Okay, immortal. <laughs> Shut the fuck up.
2: Fifteen years <laughs> later, Michael is incarcerated at Smith's Grove Sanitarium. On a rainy October 30th, 1978, Michael's psychiatrist, Dr. Samuel Loomis, and his colleague, Marion Chambers... Uh, arrive at the sanitarium to escort Michael to court for a hearing. Loomis hopes the outcome of the hearing is that Michael will never be released from Smith's Grove. However, the Smith's Grove's patients escape and Michael steals the car, killing a mechanic for his overalls on his way back to Haddonfield. Yes. Again, you know... Uh, amazing setup for a scene. Mm-hmm. The, the whole imagery of Michael Myers going on top of the car with the red light from the car and then the smashing the window. Smashing
0: the window. I love this scene. I actually, uh, when I was younger, found this to be the scariest scene. Yeah. Um. I, I genuinely I thought it was really creepy.
2: Uh, that, you know, that's the question you can ask. What is your relations with this film?
0: Uh, my relations with the film, I... I'd obviously heard about, there was a website when I was younger, I cannot for the life of me remember it now. Um, I can't, I can't. The one that, there was this one website that I used to go on whilst I was at school, and then there were two more, um, Terror Trap, do you remember Terror Trap? Uh, yeah. And Arrow in the Head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this original I cannot remember. But it was all you know. These are the horror films that you have to watch. And I know. Remember Carrie, The Exorcist, Pet Cemetery, which I, I don't know why that was on the list, and Halloween. So I was desperate to see it. Mum, 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 buy me the VHS. Yes, I'm old. Buy me the VHS, and she did, <laughs> and I watched it. <laughs> Like, on a Saturday afternoon from, like, like, in the middle of summer. I was like, no, I I have to watch it. I can't wait till Halloween. That's, like, months away. And I watched it and loved it. Yeah. And ever since, you know, my... I probably... I didn't watch all of the sequels until I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, p- partly because they're, they're trash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mainly, um, but they didn't get the best reps, so no. I just can, I can never really
2: be bothered to go out my way to watch them. No, I mean, me uh, I had a DVD from HMV uh, that came with Shaun of the Dead, and it was a Halloween special horror one. It had loads of trailers on there, uh, the Shining, the Wicker Man, Nightmare on Elm Street, etc., etc., and Halloween. And I watched the trailer so many times. But that shot of Michael Myers chasing Laurie Strode to the house where you briefly see his mask fucking terrified me. I was too scared to watch this film for so long and then got it on VHS at a car boot. Huh? <laughs> watched it and yeah, it fucking terrified me when I first watched it um, and I just loved it. And I'd say I've easily watched this. This I think this is the one film that I've easily watched over a hundred times, easily. But yeah. Like, for, since the first time I watched it back in, like, 2005. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, whenever it was randomly on TV, I would not turn it off. I'd watch it from whatever point it's on. I just... You, I, I watched it so much. I was obsessed. And it's still no less effective, somehow, mm. all these years later. No. You know, it's still... still t- you know everything that's going to happen, but it's still intense. Yeah. But I, I think... Maybe you can appreciate it
0: on another level now. If yeah. if doing this podcast and watching the sheer amount of films that we watch, um, and the array of films that we watch now, mm-hmm. um, if that's taught us anything, is to look at the cinematic aspects of yeah. it, and there's a new appreciation there. Yeah, um, you notice things that you didn't notice before, and and that I mean I I didn't go to film school. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've watched enough films to sort of notice a little bit of mise en scène and shit. Absolutely.
2: So, yeah, Michael's escaped, stole the car, he could drive. Apparently. And, uh, Loomis and Marion left behind.
0: Yeah, you know, we never find out who taught him how to drive until we get to Halloween 6. Oh. oh, we do, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> of all the loose ends they found the need
2: to tie up, was that really the one? Um, Haddonfield, Halloween, October 31st, 1978. Iconic camera work and score. Yes, yes. Uh, the, <laughs> the camera work in this film is just, oh, it is perfection. Like, just absolute outstanding just it's just perfect there's no other word for it it is perfect yes and many films have tried to imitate it but none have come close to a lot of the suspense is within the cinematography and the soundtrack and I don't think any films imitate that.
0: no what I love and particularly with the character of Laurie throughout the whole film and I'll, I'll say it now especially these beginning parts, is that the soundtrack doesn't stop. No. You have that quintessential... Quintessential, that's what I'm going to use. (laughs) Quintessential Halloween soundtrack. Yeah. It's there. Every time you see Laurie, it's there. We know Laurie is in danger. Yeah. Because the music... She's walking down the fucking street. Mm -hmm. She's glad you having a wonderful time. I wish you had you all, all alone... Thing. yeah. she's singing to herself talking to herself she's girl scouting all that business but we know she's in motherfucking danger because that soundtrack is playing yeah and also that camera work because we've had that point of view at the beginning of the film mm. we get camera work particularly with Laurie where it kind of feels like we're still watching yeah. her yeah and it feels like we are in Michael... Michael eyes, yeah. Yeah, his eyes. It feels like us as a viewer, we're stalking her. Mm. And again, that creates attention. She's just... She's having a jolly old time. Yeah. But we're kind of looking at her like weirdos, like stalkers. And the soundtrack's playing. We're like, oh, shit. You know, this, this girl's in danger. Yeah. And then as we get to like her and like her and like her... Always in the back of our minds, we're thinking, you know, shit's going to happen. We know shit's going to happen. It's a horror film. It'd be very boring if (laughs) nothing actually eventually happened. But it's that building of tension from the fucking start, from the get-go. It's relentless. Yeah. It is literally relentless. Mm -hmm. There's no forced comedic scenes. There's none of that business. You know, there's the chat between the girls, it's all very normal, but we know Michael Myers is always there. Yeah. We know that. We see him, we hear the soundtrack, we see the camera work, and innately we we feel like she's being watched, she's being stalked Mm -hmm. by us. Yeah. You know? Um, It's just, it's really just perfect filmmaking. Yeah. It really is. Because you don't notice these things. And it's only when we've sat here and I've really found... Actually, I'm going to have to find something interesting to say about this film. And so I'm really looking out for these things. And like I said, you know, I'm no film school um, dropout or anything like that. But, you know, I know a few bits. And I, I know what they're trying to do
2: with yes. this. And it really works. Absolutely. And the fact that it's uh, a lot of the scariest scenes are during Daylight. That is going absolutely. completely against convention. Absolutely. absolutely. And I know... I. Yeah. Know, do you know, the 70s was a good time for that. When you look at, you know, The Wicker Man, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Exorcist, mm. you know, a, a lot of films, um, you know, had some really effective scenes in the daytime. It got lost after the 70s, I'd say, for quite a while. Well, um, look at Halloween too. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, it just goes you don't have to set a film during night time to make it scary no so high school student Laurie Strode played by Jamie Lee Curtis drops off a key at the long abandoned Myers house that her father is trying to sell she wants into Tommy Doyle the kid she babysits on the way and he warns her you're not supposed to go up there uh uh-uh, uh that's Spook House Spook
0: House <laughs> I'm assuming he's meant to say Spooky House yes <laughs> Um, also how do we know we're in 1978 because of that fucking hair Tommy Doyle's hair
2: <laughs> Um which doesn't make any sense when they try to redo it in the Rob Zombie film when it's supposedly set in modern day yeah but it's, that's never. it's, it's given
0: me Luke Skywalker it is it's given me um, the Osmonds the Osmonds it's given me the kid from The Shining yeah um, Danny Torrance it's giving me the kid from the Omen it's that any kid yeah. in the you know late 70s, 70s. 80s,
2: early 80s had that fucking do <laughs> uh, yeah Lonnie Alam told him Who? that Lonnie Alam oh, Lonnie. told uh, told Tommy that he's not to go to the Myers house because it's haunted house and Laurie is like well Lonnie won't get out of the 6th grade Oh, she's right as well. Michael witnesses Laurie dropping the key off and watches her walk away as she sings "Top Tier Banger," just the two of us.
0: Yeah, with and the
2: lyrics, "I wish I had you all alone, just the two of us."
0: You know, perfect shot. Laurie's there, walking away. Yeah, singing a little ditty to herself. Mm-hmm. Michael's there. We see him. We can. We definitely know who it is. We hear the breathing. Perfect. Yeah,
2: perfection. Yeah. And the randomness of it, like I said earlier in the episode, the fact that the randomness of it, she has just dropped off of Keita's house, he's seen her, he's a psychopath, he's decided, yeah, that's my victim. That's who I want. Exactly.
0: And that's what, we all, spoiler alert, whatever, you know, it turns out that he's, uh, she's his long lost sister. Not in this film. Not Not in in this this film. film. Not in this film. Thankfully. So in this film, it feels completely random. Yeah.
2: Which is really scary. Yeah. She's enough to deserve this. She's enough you know? to deserve She's this. a good character. She's a good girl. That's the, the character trope, you know.
0: What? I mean, if you're going to go into it psychologically, and this is, you know, no one's said this is the reason or, or anything like that. But maybe he was the first sort of, she was the first woman he saw. Yeah. And he found her attractive. Yeah. And stalked her. Essentially, yeah. essentially, you know, we could look at it in that way. Which but makes it
2: even more psychotic. But Marion Chambers was the first that he saw. Te- yeah, technically. He left her alive.
0: Yeah, but she, was, she was a means to an end, though.
2: Yeah, I suppose. Yeah,
0: she was a means to an end for him to get back but yeah, to Yeah, no, him. absolutely. He could look
2: at it like that. Yeah. Loomis is fuming at doctor Wynn win for letting Michael escape and suggests that someone must have gave him driving lessons. Yes, spoiler alert for Halloween 6. It was Dr. Wynn himself. Bastard. Laurie's in class listening to a teacher reading about fate. And making a point of the word fate. When she sees Michael watching her from a distance. And literally, he is just standing behind his car watching her. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit that he's in pure daylight. People no. can see him. He doesn't care. He's... Doing what he wants. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I've seen a few people like, oh, well, hell's, how did no one see him? That's what's fucking scary. He didn't care. He doesn't care if people can see him. Also,
0: it's Halloween. Yeah. It's, you know? Yeah, exactly. People aren't necessarily going to be like, oh my God, look at him, it's, it's Halloween. You, you know? if it, If it happened on Christmas Day, yeah, it'd be a bit weird. But Halloween, because Americans take Halloween a lot more seriously than we do. Yeah. You would say, you know? Uh, it wouldn't batter too many eyelids. Um, yeah. um, What do we stand? An intelligent queen. We do. And Laurie, she's taking absolutely no fucking notice. <laughs> answer the question. Laurie, answer the question. And you know what? <laughs> she fucking does. That's and she right. Gives a perfect answer. That's right. Fate. <laughs> now, question is.
2: Fate teacher or Lin Shay in Nightmare on oh. Elm Street. I don't know. I mean, it could be the same person. You don't see her face. No, that's
0: it could true. It be the same
2: school. Who knows? Um, it's, it's definitely Lin Shay because that mullet. Like that mullet. <laughs>
0: and also Daryl Hannah's brother reciting yeah. Shakespeare.
2: <laughs> um, Lonnie Vernon Kay and another kid, Bully Tommy. Uh, <laughs> before tripping him up and making a drop of pumpkin, It's Donny
0: Osmond. He looks like Donny Osmond. Now, I've got a little issue with this scene. Yeah. Um, well, actually, can we go back to the fate part? Because I've just got here. I, was like, um, I, I I again, this is very much in keeping with the relentlessness of the film. Yeah. Is, and I know it's a coincidence, but they're talking about fate. hmm And the idea that no ifs, ands, or buts This is fate. Yeah. And we know, because he's right outside the motherfucking window, Mm -hmm. Laurie's fate is watching her. Yeah. That is so good. It is. It's so good. It is. Did
2: you want to go back to Vernon Kay as well? Yeah.
0: No, my issue is, my issue is there's a girl. um, As they're running out of school, the kids are in fancy dress. There's a girl dressed as a flapper excuse me a flapper <laughs> a what a flapper like from the 1920s oh okay okay uh, what do you think hey. flipper like a dolphin <laughs> uh, a flapper so she's actually quite scantily clad for a child <laughs> at school do you not did you not
2: I did I, I've she's seen over a hundred times I've never seen this the one in the green dress
0: with the feather in her hair I, did, I she's got her. this green dress on it's it's strapless and it's like skirted Number one, every other is wearing a coat. Because <laughs> it's the... T- it's fucking Halloween in Illinois. Or well, meant to be Halloween in Illinois. So everyone else is, like, fully dressed. She must be freezing. Number two, that's not the attire for
2: <laughs> school. And also, is she the only person in fancy dress?
0: No, there are others. There are others. Other than Mike Myers.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know, I do you not remember? No. No. Uh, but yeah, so um they make Tommy drop his punk him. The random kid, uh Donny Osmond, he runs into Michael as he's running away. Michael stares at him, gets in his car and just stalks Tommy. Yeah. Just uh, again stuck in a child. You know, a random sight. A, a random a, a random person he's run into. He's took a fas he's took some sort of fascination to him, just stalks him.
0: Yeah. And that's going, and then, again, putting children in danger, yep. you know,
2: the, the kids aren't actually that annoying in this film. No. Um, so it works. Loomis discovers the dead mechanic whilst at a payphone on the way back to Haddonfield. Uh, Laurie walks home from school with her friends Annie Brackett and Linda Vanderclock <sighs> after some cheerleaders chant the Haddonfield song.
0: <laughs> How does the Haddonfield song go? I, I don't know, if you
2: got all the words? We're though? from
0: Haddonfield, couldn't be prouder. Something, something, yeah, we'll get a little louder. That's the one.
2: That's something I didn't Thank get, you I didn't get it all done. <laughs> um, this is actually one of my favourite sequences of events in the film because this is the most perfect blend of camp and scary you'll ever see in any film. Yeah. Annie explains that her boyfriend, old Jerko Paul, mm got caught throwing eggs and soap in windows. And his parents grounded him so they can't be up tonight. And Linda explains the only reason Annie needs a place to babysit is so that she has a place to... Shit. Shit. Laurie <laughs> interrupts and says shit. And Annie says, I have a place for that. It's <laughs> <laughs> the most perfect dialogue exchange ever. Yeah. It, it is like three girlfriends...
0: They make fun of each other, they're silly, they talk about boys. Um, we did establish during this viewing that Gary is a Laurie. Yes. And I'm an Annie.
2: That's true. Laurie realises... is <laughs> a Charlotte and I'm a Miranda. <laughs> Laurie realises she forgot her chemistry book. And Linda says, so what? I forget my chemistry book all the time. I'm a maths book and my English book and my, let's see, my French book. And who needs books anyway? While she's saying this... Michael Myers comes down the road in his fucking car. Are we sure it's Michael Myers? Wow. <laughs> Linda thing, Linda says, Hey, isn't it Devon Graham? <laughs> I think he's cute. <laughs> it's all these little random names we get throughout. <laughs> Devon Graham. They're so they're weird names as well. <laughs> <laughs> but he looks like William Shatner, apparently, with I no know. eyebrows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then Annie says... Head jerk, speed kills! <laughs> Michael's car stops for a minute or two before he continues driving. But at that point, you're like, oh my god, is he gonna get out of his car and fucking murder these girls right well, here? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and Laurie's fuming with Annie about it. But Annie says she hates a guy with a car and no sense of humour. That's
0: true, I do agree with that.
2: They plan their babysitting schedules for the night. Laurie's babysitting Tommy. Annie's babysitting Kyle Richards, and Linda wants to use the Wallace house so she could fuck her boyfriend, Bob Sims. So Annie says, Oh, great, I've got three options watch the kids sleep, listen to Linda screw around, or talk to you. She hates Laurie. Like, I swear, she's.
0: Oh, <laughs> no. She just. She uses a, a dry wit and sarcasm to try and help Laurie better herself. Just like you. Yeah. that's true. Um. Yeah, Carl Richards is in this. Carl Richards is absolutely in this.
2: Stealing Kim's house. Stealing Kim's house. <laughs> oh, no one's gonna get it. But no, anyway,
0: everything was going so great until it didn't. <laughs> you know I mean? <laughs> I I'm too busy laughing. We we love our Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> really? Yes, we do. So you're gonna get quite a few Carl Richards like references. I apologise now, but if you ain't watching, you should be watching, (laughs) so you should know the references.
2: Linda goes home, and Michael watches Laurie and Annie from behind a hedge. Laurie spots him, and Annie storms over and pretends that he wants to take Laurie out tonight. Uh, Laurie walks over, and there's no one there, to which Annie says, poor Laurie, scared another one away. (laughs) And they discuss Laurie never getting any dates. And she thinks guys don't want her because she's too smart. Oh, we love a humble
0: queen. Do <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you see it's you see how it's relentless? He's always yeah. fucking there. Yeah. It's like, bloody hell, yeah, man. Give us a
2: minute. Yeah. You know? Always there watching, weirdo. Mm-hmm. Annie leaves and then Laurie doesn't catch a break because she gets a fake jump scare from Annie's father oh, Sheriff no. Lee Brackett aka Paul Lind Paul Lind <laughs> he says "Ah, oh, yeah now it's Halloween Laurie everyone's entitled to one good scare
0: circle gets
2: the square
0: <laughs> now our English <laughs> listeners I have no idea who Paul Lind is it's incredible <laughs> Um yeah, so if Charles Cypher looks like Paul. Lind. He does. It's he just, does.
2: And it, talks a bit like him as well. He talks a little
0: bit like him. Um if you have the time after you obviously you've listened to this podcast, I thoroughly recommend the uh All Stars free snatch game. No All Stars Free No. Cinematic Sins YouTube episodes. On Halloween
2: 1 and 2. I don't think it's Cinematic Sins. It's um, uh-huh. the guy, Brock Stubbs. Brock Stubbs. Brock Stubbs. Because he puts the Pauline voice on him. Oh, yeah, Thank yeah. Thank you yeah. for just revealing where my jokes come from. <laughs> no, we thought of it first. It's, it's obvious he looks like Pauline. Yeah, it's he does fine. look like Pauline. Uh, but he says, Taz Laura, everyone's to talk to one good scare. you got to remember that because that'll come in handy for a clever little section we've planned for you later on. Yes. Um, Laurie hears kids sounding upset but realises they're just playing. So she says to herself, well Killer, I thought you outgrew superstition. She talks
0: to herself a lot, actually. <laughs> it's a bit weird. It's probably why she scares them
2: all away. <laughs> Laurie goes to her bedroom and notices Michael staring at her from behind the washing outside. Yes. Just in the back garden. Yeah,
0: just there.
2: Looking staring. She gets a call with no talking. She puts the phone down and it rings again. And it was Annie. She's, and Laurie thinks that it was an obscene phone call. But Annie says, now you're hearing obscene chewing. You're losing it, Laurie. She says, I already lost it. She's like, I doubt that. <laughs> she is
0: shamed for still having a V-card a yeah. lot. By Annie. But by all accounts, <clears throat> it's the, if slasher rules or anything to go by, <laughs> it's the reason she lives. So. True.
2: Laurie waits for Annie on the corner of a street of a huge pumpkin, and Annie picks her up and gives her a joint to start smoking.
0: Yeah, so she takes the drugs though, don't she? She's, yeah. She's not um, always a good good goody, goody two-shoes. No.
2: Loomis arrives in Haddonfield uh, and finds Judith's tombstone missing from the local cemetery.
0: Yeah, quick question. Um, the cemetery man? Yeah. He, the, the gentleman who works at the cemetery. Uh-huh. We're just talk shit. He's talking shit, but he's actually <laughs> saying quite an interesting story that ends with someone grabbing a hacksaw and yeah. about to kill his family, and he never ends. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is that a reference to something? Can we I get the story? I think
2: where? that's probably inserted for the anthology John Carpenter was planning. Oh, I see. Because he wanted Halloween to be an anthology oh. um, series. So
0: potentially you would have gotten that story. It yeah. sounded very similar the kid... to the uh, Grady family in The Shining. Yeah,
2: the kid in Halloween 2 with the uh, razor in his mouth. Oh, That was yeah. part of it as well. Oh, I see. So Michael starts following Annie and Laurie as they listen to Don't Fear the Reaper and discuss Mr Riddle next door oh being a dirty God, old man. Top
0: tier banger. I fucking love that song.
2: I always forget it's in the film.
0: Yeah. Until they're in the car. And then obviously you famously referenced in
2: Scream. Yeah. Okay. They spot Sheriff Brackett and he tells them that someone stole a mask, a couple of knives and some rope from the hardware store and asks if they're going to be late. But he shouts it as uh, Annie tells us.
0: Yes. Yeah. There's no reason for Annie to stop at the hardware store. (laughs) Her dad's working hard. You know, he'd understand if she just drove on. I love this scene. Yeah. For the relationship between Annie and her father. Um, but also all our three sort of main characters kind of meet. They're yeah. in the same spot at the same time but <clears throat> don't actually meet. Mm-hmm. Um, Laurie and Doctor Loomis don't actually meet each other until the very end of the film. Yeah. So you have this, so Laurie drives off. Uh, no, you get Michael drive past. Well, that's, then that's, you, you're doing it the right well, way. Was I doing so, it the so right yeah, way. So
2: Annie and Laurie drive, drive off. Annie and Laurie
0: drive off. Then... Loomis um, introduces himself. Loomis introduces himself. And Michael drives off in the same direction as the yeah. girls in the background. I mean, that's just perfect yeah, filmmaking. it is. And it, it's not... It, I mean, it's one of those things where you say, yeah, that's obvious, you know, anyone would do it. No one would... Not everyone would think of doing that. Mm -hmm. It's true. Because it's it's so good and it's so subtle and they don't make a big deal of it. But when you notice it, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. There he is. Again, going Mm -hmm. in the same direction. Is Loomis going to put the pieces together in time to save these girls? Uh Uh-huh. And
2: he suggests that Laurie ask Dick Baxter to the school dance. Excuse me. Dick, that's an interesting name. But she'd much rather go with Ben Tramer. That's an even better name. <laughs> which Annie finds hilarious. Ben Tramer is an icon. He is the moment. He is the moment. He is. He is the moment. Top five male horror characters. He is just everything. <laughs> and you never see his face. <clears throat> nope. Not... Never see his face. Well, you do, but it's got no
0: skin on it. Um... <laughs> my... So, the 2018 Halloween, obviously Laurie's grown up and had a kid. Is it
2: ever established if it's Ben Tramor's kid? No. And when Jamie Lee Curtis was asked in an interview whether it was Ben Tramer's kid, she's like, who the fuck's that? <laughs> oh, my God. So I have no idea. Like...
0: <laughs> well, my
2: opinion of Jamie Lee Curtis has gone down a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's just she said she, she instead saw it as some random guy in a bar when she was going for a rough time, and not Ben Tramer. Okay. <clears throat> but there's Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends still to come. Maybe. You never know. Ben Tramer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, they arrive at the Doyle and Wallace households, and Michael watches from a distance. Loomis and Brackett investigate the Myers house. They find a dead dog that Michael was snacking on. Again, you know, what film has our antagonist
0: snacking on a dog? I know, right. You know, again, getting rid of that relatability. Because even before now, you know, if you didn't really have an opinion on it because you've watched so many horror films that you've, you know, sort of nothing affects you anymore. Mm. Him eating a dog. Yeah. And, you know, a lovely pet dog Mm -hmm. is just crummy.
2: Loomis tells Brackett about when he and Michael met. We get one of the most famous monologues in horror history. Uh, he goes on about how he isn't a man, he's pure evil with an emotionless expression and the devil's eyes. Normally I do an impression of monologues, but this I would not be able to do this justice. It is. It's chilling, and it's coming from Loomis. Yeah. You know?
0: And again, this is why a, you know, a real actor. Mm hmm. No offense to anyone else, a real actor. Who's, you know, acted for many years mm. does this justice. Yeah. You know, it's. it elevates the monologue to something that could have been campy yeah. and hammy, which is where goes wrong in Halloween, too. Uh, <laughs> but in this one, it works.
2: Yeah. So, hooray. Well done. We're going to smash at the window as a jump scare, and this gets us gun out. He does. Um, Brackett is doubtful of the danger, but goes to patrol the streets whilst Loomis waits at the house, expecting Michael to return. That night, Laurie babysits Tommy Doyle whilst Annie babysits Lindsay Wallace, a.k.a. Carl Richards, across the street. Michael spies on Annie uh, while she's speaking to Laurie on the phone, explaining that she has Ben Trayman to go to the dance with her and he wants to go. But Laurie is so embarrassed. She, she is just horrified. Lester the dog is fucking fuming about this and keep barking at her. Lindsay is lifeless whilst watching TV, so it doesn't stop him. She is a little bit. <laughs> she's just watching. <laughs> she's just watching the thing on uh,
0: TV. The original thing, yeah. boring
2: thing. I, I love how the original trailer, the bit where Laurie goes back to the house and she's knocking on the door shouting for Tommy. It just shows you Lindsay just sitting there watching TV yeah. instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tommy sees Michael from the windows and thinks he's the boogeyman, but Laurie doesn't believe him. Annie spills butter from her popcorn all down her (laughs) and ends the call with Laurie, whilst Michael kills Lester the dog.
0: Yeah, again, you know, uh, well, you know, if you're not an animal lover, that's okay. Um, But all us animal lovers are a bit horrified when the dog dies.
2: You're not meant to kill the dog. No. Tommy and Laurie sit down to watch the thing from another world. Tommy asks Laurie a bunch of questions and she comforts him about the boogeyman, reassuring him that she'll protect him, which she does. She does, actually. You know, she's true to her words. Annie he goes to wash her clothes in the shed. Michael watches her. She gets locked in and stuck in a window. She does. When Paul calls up. Well, and Annie's like, it's Paul. And what does she say? Lindsay! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That was pretty good. It was pretty good. It, it was pretty, pretty good. Of that. Um, yeah, I mean, Michael watching her while she's just washing her clothes. Again, they build the scene up like she's about to be murdered, putting the viewer on edge yet again.
0: Uh-huh. But instead Always. she's stuck in a window. It's The tension builds and builds yeah. and builds and builds and builds throughout the whole film. We know what he's capable of yeah. because we've seen it, but we've... It's been a while, you know, in mm. terms of um, timings of the film. It's been a while since he's demonstrated it. Because yeah. he's just, he's present in each scene. Well, this is
2: what I love so much about it. In a lot of horror films, one of the biggest critiques is that every character is killed off really easily apart from the final girl. Yeah. Uh, where there's many chances to just kill him straight off, you know, it takes ages for a dramatic effect. He stalks all of his victims. He didn't yeah. kill anyone straight no. away. He no. watches first. Yeah. So, Lindsay helps Annie out the window uh, and immediately tells Paul what happened and then tells Annie, how am I meant to defend you when your behaviour is so indefensible? <laughs> to which Annie replies, <laughs> <laughs>
0: if Kathy was here, she'd have my back like a real sister. <laughs>
2: It doesn't really happen, guys. No. Anyway. Um, <laughs> she gets on the phone to Paul and...
0: uh People have no idea what we're talking about. I know. About. Just Google Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Amsterdam Fight and thank me later. Send me some flowers for um, the post. I
2: assume we have a massive LGBTQ plus following. They probably know what we're talking about. Um, a mass- Massive? Well, yeah, what I mean is the majority of people who listen to us are probably gay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, probably. Massive. sounded really big headed. I that did uh, no, that. That wasn't what I. That wasn't my intent. Of millions of fans. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she gets on the phone to Paul and tells him she's seen him stuck in plenty of other positions. Excuse me. Positions. Positions. Um, the planter. He could come. He could come out now. He's uh, not grounded anymore. She thinks that's utterly fantastic, but she can't pick him up because her clothes are in the wash. He says, you won't need him. And she says, that's all you ever think about. <laughs> Annie later takes... It's true. It Liz- really is all he thinks about. <laughs> it's true. That's all we get with Paul in the film. Annie takes Lindsay, uh, after not a lot of convincing, she just has, she can watch TV with Tommy, uh, over to the Doyle house. I know, someone's got a crush on Tommy. <laughs> um, she takes her there to spend the night so she can pick up Paul. Annie bribes Laurie with talking to Ben Tramer and telling him she was joking if she looks after Lindsay. That's kind of shitty, isn't it? (laughs) It is. It is. It's kind of a bit like,
0: oh, well, I'll undo the mess that I've created that's upset you if you do this for me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Bitch. Uh, To which Laurie says, the old Girl Scout comes through again. (laughs) Annie sings a song about Paul. Oh, Paul. I
0: gave you all No keys But please Yeah uh, Yeah That's She goes side. to get in the car But she's got no keys So she sings it to us Just to let us know Yeah um, And She goes Returns to get the keys Goes It's quite a long scene isn't Yeah it? A bit of tension 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 building Tension building She's in the car And um, There's I don't I don't really know what it is on the windscreen. Condensation? It's like fogged up. Yeah, but it doesn't go. No. It's like he sprayed something. But she's in the driver's seat and she gets strangled. Yeah. By Michael Myers. Strangled and her throat slit. Yes.
2: But you you can't really see graphically. You can't really see. It's not very
0: graphic. You can see it, probably see it more in Halloween too, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, incredibly tense scene. Yeah. We're uh, 55 minutes into the film, um, and we get our first real 1978 kill. Yeah. You know? um, All this tension's built, all this tension's built, and now it, it's like he's finally ready. Mm-hmm. And we know the shit's going to hit the fan now. Yeah. And poor Annie is our, our first victim in that. Great, great scene. Really well acted by uh, Nancy Loomis. Yep. Um, really quite sad, actually,
2: because you, you'd got to know her. Yep. She's, you know, a fully, a fully formed character. She is. Uh, Tommy attempts pranking Lindsay, but instead ends up watching Michael Caron and Annie's corpse. Laurie doesn't believe him, but Kyle Richards does. She does, so... Uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Larry's a little fuming, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, isn't she's it? In there, in there, in there, isn't she? Uh, yeah, she's fuming. I- again, you know, Kathy would have had her back. It's
2: true, we know that. Uh, Vernon Kay, Lonnie, and uh, Donnie Osmond are at the Myers house, to which Lonnie says, I'm not afraid, and Vernon Kay says, Bull! <laughs> and dares him to go to the Myers house. But Loomis doesn't want to see a kid die, even if it is the little arsehole, Lou, um, Lonnie. So he says, Hey Lonnie, get your ass away from there. <laughs> and the kids just run off. Brackett gives Loomis one good scare. Um, he and does ta- actually, loves giving people one good scare. <laughs> and tells him he hasn't found Michael yet. I mean, I'm being funny, he's had two good scares now. It's true. He needs to calm down. Linda and Bob arrive at the Wallace house... Uh, They plan on what they'll do when they get inside, which, strangely enough, involves Bob ripping off Lindsay's clothes. Yes. Really weird line (laughs) of dialogue. A
0: little awkward.
2: A little awkward. Obviously, he's joking around, Mm -hmm. but it's very awkward. They find the house empty, to which Linda says, Hey, it's totally dark. Yeah, so Linda's thing, which we haven't mentioned before now, um, is, she says, totally during every sentence. And so, yeah, essentially.
0: So, you know how many times Gary said
2: iconic? <clears throat>
0: That's yeah, how many basically. times she said totally.
2: <laughs> they start making out on the sofa whilst Michael watches them. Laurie notices the light on at the Wallace house and says to herself, Everybody's having a good time tonight. <laughs> Linda calls and Laurie confirms where Lindsay and Annie are. So, Bob and Linda have sex. They do. Now, Bob.
0: He seemingly loses his erection every time the phone rings, <laughs> uh, but at the end, Linda still thinks it was fantastic. Yes, so, totally. You know, totally. Go get me a beer. Totally fantastic. Uh, but he's, he's like, oh, again, every time, every time the phone rings, I'm like, um, is he losing his
2: <laughs> erection every time the phone? Rings? I mean, that's that's quite quick, isn't it? Really. <laughs> Yeah, she says, go give me a beer. And he does. In that exact voice. Um, Bob goes downstairs to get a beer, and in what I think is another one of the scariest scenes in this film, Michael just comes out of a uh, pantry, or wherever the fuck he's hiding, and pins him to a wall with a kitchen knife, and just stares at him, yeah. and does the famous Michael Myers head tilt. Yeah. But it's just that moment where he's just... And it's the same thing that scares me about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, when... Um Leatherface uh kills the guy with his chest out, I forgot his name. Oh Jerry Not no, not Jerry. The other one. Yeah. After well, he kills it's not Jerry. Him that when after he finds um the girl in the freezer and whatever, and he just sits there and stares into the camera, you don't know what he's thinking. And it's I the same it's Jerry,
0: isn't it? I think it is. Jerry.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't know what Leatherface is thinking in that scene. And it's the same with Michael Myers here. He's just staring at his corpse. It's yeah. like, what the fuck are you doing? It is so unnerving. But And because of the cinematography, and I know we'd usually complain about how dark films yes. are and not turning the lights on. It works here. It does. It really it works. It does work.
0: And there's, it is, and you know, you talk about perfect shots. I mean, the camera's right down the middle in between the two figures. Michael Myers is there staring... Dead, you know, the mask works perfectly yeah. in this scene Because it's a dead face Bob's there We see the knife We see that his feet are elevated So he's been pinned to the wall And it's it lingers yeah. It lingers there And it's such a perfect shot You know, wonderfully symmetrical But, you know kind of re- looks really great I mean, you would have that as a poster Yeah I know it's a bit creepy yeah. because it's a dead body, but you'd have you know that's what we do. Uh, you'd have that as a poster. Mm-hmm. It's a really wonderful
2: shot. Yeah. Absolutely. Michael then poses as Bob in a ghost costume with glasses <laughs> and confronts Lisa uh, Lisa Linda, he who Lisa. teases him to I was thinking of Lisa Renner. Lisa Renner. Who teases him to no effect. Now, this scene would be so stupid in any other film, it'd be so goofy. But again. It's Michael fucking Myers. He hasn't got a sense of humour. Yeah. So when you see him with this sheet over his head and the glasses, it's like, okay, he's not doing this for a fucking joke. No. You know? This it's, is a disguise. Yeah. And, uh, Linda... In because a, he likes stalking
0: his yeah, prey. Exactly. He's not, he's not actually probably stalked Linda enough mm. to warrant her eventual death. Yeah. Whereas he stalked Annie, he stalked Laurie. Yeah. But he hasn't given enough attention to Linda because she's been off with Bob.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, he's also there when they're having sex, though. Like, you see his shadow on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah, but he's not following, you know, through the
0: streets
2: or anything like that. So, uh... Iconic line of dialogue. (laughs) Linda lowers the blanket and says, See anything you like? What's the matter? Can I get your ghost? Bob? No idea what that means. No idea what
0: that means. No idea what that means. Have you ever looked up what it means? No. I'm going to look it up now.
2: <clears throat> but, of course, this is a famous scene, scene in Scream. What? It's in Scream, the scene. Can't I get ghost, Bob?
0: No. Oh, on well, the See TV. See anything you like. See anything you like, excuse me. Yes. Have you found out what? Um... <sighs> No, I'm not sure. So, anyway. Annoyed, Linda... Literally, I don't think it means
2: anything. anything. I don't think it means anything. Let us know if you know. Uh, Annoyed, she calls Laurie to find out what happened to Annie. Michael proceeds to strangle her with the phone cord whilst Laurie listens on the other end thinking it's a joke. She says, alright, Annie. First they get your famous chewing, now get your famous squealing. Michael picks the phone up and breathes down it and Laurie hangs up. Yes. Meanwhile, Loomis discovers the stolen car and begins searching the streets. Suspicious of the phone call, Laurie goes to the Wallace house across the street very slowly to build tension. Yeah. All in real time. And finds her friend's dead bodies as well as Judith's headstone in the upstairs bedroom where Michael Myers has pretty much put on a fucking display for her. Yes, yeah. She flees to the hallway in terror. In and in what is my favorite shot from any film ever, she's there crying in the hallway. And slowly, in the background, Michael Myers slowly starts to appear. And you never get to see his mask fully no. in this film, no. but it slowly forms it. And then he slashes her arm, causing it to fall over down the stairways, uh, banister. Yeah. And then it is just again the tension is ramped up, the soundtrack kicks in. Um This is officially the shit
0: hitting the fan. Yeah. This is the moment the film has been building up to. Yeah. We knew people were gonna die on the way, but this is Laurie and Michael Myers. I mean, we got hints of it from the very moment we saw Laurie Strode. Yeah. This is what the whole film was been building up to, mm-hmm. and it doesn't disappoint. It's you know it's a cat and mouse. It's a chase, predator versus prey. She's fighting for her life. She's fighting for the kid's life. You know she's not she's not superwoman. She's not you know power bombing him or anything like that. But she can fucking fend for herself
2: yeah. because she is a Girl Scout. Yeah, and Girl Scouts come through. And this is why the 2018 one works so well, is the fact that David Gordon Green understood the task at hand. You know, if we're going to see Michael Myers stalking her through the whole of this film because he took a random liking to her and wants he, that's his victim, then, you know, he waited 40 fucking years to get out of his uh, his new version of Smith's Grove yeah. to go after her again. Yeah. You know, that's why that sequel works so well. But that's another episode. Uh, I just thought I'd mention it now so i remember it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Injured, she narrowly escapes and runs back to the Doyle house. But she's lost the keys.
0: The keys. the keys. She tries to get the attention of some of the neighbours. Well, one house in particular, who completely ignores her her and switches the lights
2: off,
0: (laughs) thinking it's some sort of Halloween prank. The
2: trick or treat is death
0: tonight. And, you know, I said it and... (laughs) That's true, actually. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, the isolation... This is it. She's by herself now, her friends are dead. Who the fuck knows where her parents are? They don't even know in this is fucking sequel. Loomis. She's not even at her house. She's at another person's yeah. house. Yes, you know. Yeah, but she's she she's not getting any help. This yeah. is her. This do or die. Laurie Strode versus Michael Myers. This this is it. Yeah. You know, and it's that isolation that ramps up the tension yeah. and makes you scared for her safety. Yeah. Those kids aren't really going to help, are no. they? But she still needs to protect those kids.
2: Yeah, and th- this is when she becomes the ultimate final girl because she is so resourceful mm-hmm. and she does not give up. So Tommy lets her in eventually. Uh, yeah. Well, he is asleep. Yeah. So him, him and um, Kyle.
0: Kyle Richards. <laughs> they're asleep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just, I just need to reiterate that for part two. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, yeah, so then you know she orders Tommy and Lindsay to hide, only to find that the phone is dead and Michael snuck in through the window. So he attacks her again, but she incapacitates him by stabbing him in the neck with a lit- with a needle. Yes. Again, pick the nearest thing to her. She just
0: does something a little silly. She has a little rest on the couch with a giant butcher knife next to her. No one else is around. You just finish him off. Just you know, get a few stabs and just make sure you're
2: done. She's exhausted. She's been thrown down the stairs. Exactly. You know, exactly. I don't blame been her. Been for a run. I wouldn't made it to the fucking front door. If I that was mean, me.
0: sometimes you need to be
2: thorough about these things because the film ain't over yet. And he gets back <laughs> up, thinking Michael's dead. Laurie staggers upstairs to check on the kids but is shocked to see Michael alive, to which Tommy tells her, you can't kill the boogeyman. So she tells the kids to hide in the bathroom, and she hides in the bedroom closet. Iconic horror imagery. Everyone knows the scene. Michael finds her, breaks in through uh, through the wardrobe, and she stabs him in the eye with a fucking coat hanger before stabbing him in the chest of his own knife.
0: Yes. Do you know who would have been screwed in this film? <laughs> John Crawford. <laughs> Because all the ever-resourceful Girl Scout mm. takes a wire hanger... Yeah. Um, ...does a little twisty thing and turns it into a fucking
2: poking stick. She him right in the,
0: in, in, in the eye. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She then tells Tommy and Lindsay to go down the street to the Mackenzie's house... ...another reference that was like used in Scream... Yes. Uh, ...to call the police. After they leave, in another one of my favourite shots of all time... Michael awakens once again. Silently sits up in the background. The most perfect camera angle. He sits up behind Laurie. She thinks he's de- She's convinced he's dead this time. And he slowly approaches her. Luma sees the kids running from the house. Goes to investigate. And finds Michael and Laurie fighting upstairs. Laurie rips Michael's mask off. Uh, making him hesitate to put it back on. Uh, but I mean... I. I don't know if he does. He just kind of just puts it back
0: on. He does just, just kind of put. Um, I, I don't I, I don't know if it's a, a psychological thing. He has to have mm. the mask on. To, yeah. to, to kill.
2: Loomis shoots Michael. Because he had the
0: mask on when he was a child. Yeah.
2: You know. Loomis shoots Michael six times. Knocking yes. him off the balcony. Splat. Yeah. And. <laughs> something to show. <laughs> Laurie says it was the boogeyman and Loomis says, as a matter of fact, it was. He walks to the balcony, looks down to see Michael has vanished. Unsurprised, he stares off into the night as Laurie begins to sob and Michael's breathing is heard during a montage of locations where he'd recently been indicating that he could be anywhere. Oh. Um, yeah, decent. Decent
0: yeah, film. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, really good. Nice gowns. <laughs> um, yeah, no. All-time classic. Phenomenal. Written, just expertly crafted.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I cannot think of a single negative about this film. It is just perfect in every way, every single second of it. It's one of those films where it's so well
0: made, but then there's aspects of it that kind of fall into place yeah. and are quite a very fortunate... Uh, Not a coincidence, but a a fortunate series of events. Yeah. So the fact that it, you know, Lassie's daughter wasn't available. Yeah. Or the fact that, you know, somebody decided that an inside-out Captain Kirk mask Mm -hmm. was the best option. Yeah. And it was. It's perfect. It was perfect for what they did, perfect for the film. Jamie Lee Curtis is perfect in the role of Glory Strode. It, it, it really is just a, a real, wonderful horror film yep. that everyone should watch. Even
2: if you don't like horror films, you should watch this. Absolutely. Forever my favourite film of all time. And I forgot to give you the poll resu- results. Each week we're bringing in a poll to find out which sequels you prefer, which movie prefer to the original and whatnot. And this week... The original got 88% and Halloween 2 got 12%. <laughs> Somebody was trolling us.
0: <coughs> Somebody deliberately did that. I appreciate that. I, Some guy I told me
2: that he thought Halloween 2 was the greatest horror film ever made and I, he wasn't joking. I
0: appreciate um, a little bit of dry humour <laughs> and a piss take. You can take a bit of banter. I mean, so, you can't be serious.
2: <laughs> so, this brings us to our regular section throughout October. Where we have four rounds and a different answer for both may for each round maybe. Yeah, I think so. Best kill. Best kill. For me, Judith. For me, Bob. Yeah. I mean I understand the Judith thing. It's the first one. Yeah. You know, it's you don't know who it is. Yeah, it's BAM.
0: Yeah. Michael's got something to show.
2: Yeah. Um but then, you know, Bob, that scene is just terrifying in every way possible, you know? The emptiness of that kill and just him staring at him after, the fact that he manages to pin him to a wall. Um, yeah, it's just it's just amazing. One good scare. Now,
0: for me, I know this is a, bit, a little bit of a cop-out, but it's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Because the whole thing is, as one is a very scary thing Mm -hmm. it's it's not necessarily you know one good scare is a a jump scare it's not reliant on jump scares no and for me it's the whole thing but specifically the soundtrack yeah that i would give it to the soundtrack absolutely
2: yeah absolutely i mean mine was michael stalking laurie through the day because as i explained before you Uh, know the sheets it's, it's incredible the fact that you know it's daylight and they manage to make it this intense but yeah I mean the whole film is terrifying yeah most likeable character obviously it is the ultimate final girl Laurie Strode it is
0: yeah
2: and most unlikable character I don't think this ever happens actually on, on our most unlikable character things that we do it's the bad guy it's Michael Myers it is Michael Myers he's killing all these characters that we like he's killing dogs he's killing dogs, he's
0: killing dogs. <laughs> he's killing do- one for fun um, I'd also like to just give a dishonourable mention to the neighbours that switched the light <laughs> on her.
2: <clears throat> yeah. They're um they're bad guys too. And of course, honourable mention to the most likable character Ben Tramer. Um, th- t- technically. But yes. That, Lester, I think Lester. That's that's true. Lester the dog. <laughs> and that brings us to Halloween Two, from nineteen eighty one. Directed by Rick Rosenfall, the director of Bad Boys 1983, American Dreamer, The Birds 2, Land's End. I'm desperate to watch that.
0: <coughs> I think that would be a perfect uh, podcast movie.
2: I think so. And he also did Halloween Resurrection as well. Yeah. And many more. Budget, $2.5 million. The budget went up. Oh, of course. And it made $25.5 million worldwide. Yeah. Okay. So, this is very much Michael Myers does the 80s. Post-Friday the 13th.
0: Yes. Yeah, the the influence that Halloween had on horror cinema, and specifically slasher films, kind of, in a way, came full circle. Yeah. Um,
2: and obviously we'll get into that as we go. Yeah, it, it, this basically became what the imitations... Become yes. after Halloween. Yes, yeah. Um, and let's say. Not, kind of, not fully there. No, but it's more than. You the can first. tell, yeah, yeah,
0: you can definitely tell.
2: Um, and let's say it had quite the uh, messy production. So to get the role of Michael Myers, Dick Warlock, Instagram icon, Dick Warlock. It's an interesting name. He hashtags Dick Warlock in everything he posts.
0: Didn't he play Jason?
2: In a film, maybe a fan film. He's only ever played. He's only ever played Michael Myers. Ah, he's in Halloween three. Jason. He's in Halloween three as well. He's one of the androids. No, I thought he was one of the Jason. He May have done stunts, Um, but Dick Warlock revealed that as he passed by a room, the Michael Myers mask was just on a table, so he put it on and walked into Rick Rosenthal's office and just stood there. After Rosenwald continuously asked him who he was and why he didn't reply, he took off the mask and asked if he could play Mark Myers, to which Rick Rosenwald said yes. (laughs) That's an audition. That's a very strange (laughs)
0: audition.
2: Uh, Producer and writer John Carpenter, uh, taking a back seat this time around, didn't like director Rick Rosenwald's first version of the film, believing it to be as scary as an episode of Quincy Emmy. Oh, shit. A re-edit was done. Uh, but Carpenter still found it too tame, so he took over the editing process and sped up the action. He also shot a few gory scenes that were added into the film despite Rosenfall's objections. This annoyed Rosenfall because he had wanted the sequel to emulate the way the original avoided explicit violence and gore in favour of well-crafted suspense and terror. In fact, Carpenter had intended for Halloween Two to do just that, but the success of new wave slasher films in 1979 and 1980 made him afraid that a film which was scary and R-rated but lacked bloodshed and nudity would just do poorly at the box office, leading to the extra graphic material inclusions. He later said that he thought Rosenfall didn't have a feeling for what was going on with the film um, and then, of course, Rosenfall went on to direct Halloween Resurrection as well. To great success. Yeah. That's interesting, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think... Halloween was maybe a passion project for John Carpenter. Mm. It was just him and a bunch of friends making a film. I think everything after that, he needed the money. He just wanted the money. Yeah. Despite having other hits, you know. And then again, I say that. I think he's very much a court director, John Carpenter. I don't think every film of his was a runaway success. I mean,. Look at how much people hated the thing, and look at where that is now. Yeah. Big Trouble in Little China. Escape from New York. Big Trouble in Ch- Little China
0: didn't make money.
2: A lot of people didn't get John Carpenter. No. Back then, but nowadays it makes sense. You know that that sort of filmmaking has become has become really influential over years, but back then it wasn't making him money. So and there's a famous quote where he said, "I don't give a shit what you remake. Put my name on it. Get me to get me a check." Yeah. Do, do what you yeah. want. Yeah. I, d- I don't think Halloween
0: needed a sequel. No. I think they wanted a sequel and they wanted to cash in on the success. Yeah. So that's probably why it, it, it would have been difficult to emulate <clears throat> what the first film yeah. did Absolutely. successfully. Um, It'd been a few years. Horror, f- horror films had changed. And so it was a cash-in on what was popular at the time, which Friday the 13th was. That was the one. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very much more like that. And you did say that earlier, but yeah. Uh, It's interesting to know that John Carpenter wanted it that way.
2: Yeah. Uh, Carpenter and Deborah Hill had no interest in making a sequel, as we've just said. Mm -hmm. Uh, They believed Halloween was a standalone film. When the studio offered them more money to write the script, Carpenter took the job so he could earn back what he believes was his owed pay. Uh, at the time, he'd seen little earnings from the original film. He admitted that he received a significant uh, back-end salary much later on. However, the script was not forming out as well as he thought, and he was per he had personally stated uh, that the only thing happening through the screenplay process was a six-pack of Budweiser every day, which led to what he believes... Uh, to be an inferior script and bad choices in the film's story. And he later called Halloween 2 an abomination and a horrible movie. You can tell he was drunk whilst writing this. Yes,
0: <laughs> it doesn't always make sense. No. But he also wrote Ghosts of Mars. It's true. So it's not the worst thing he's ever done.
2: One common criticism uh, is that the hospital is too conveniently dead, even for a night shift, for Michael to be able to walk around unnoticed and kill the hospital staff. Rick Rosenfall said he based this off a personal experience he had of his wife where they once attended a hospital late at night and it was completely deserted, save for a few doctors and nurses and the patients. Additional early dialogue in the uh, script refers to it as Haddonfield Clinic and not a full-staffed hospital. Yeah, but it's just was definitely filmed in a, in a, in a proper hospital it's a, it looks yeah, weird. It's,
0: it's, <laughs> it it's so a, weird. It's, 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 it is actually ridiculous to see a hospital be so quiet. And it Just says, no one, there's no one there. Like, there's literally what ten staff maximum on one ward. Yeah. Like, um, where is everyone else?
2: Well, it says common criticism, there's not a lot of criticism for this film from fans. Um, you know, we talk about John Carpenter's films becoming cult films. If any sequel in the Halloween franchise has a real big cult status, it is absolutely this film. People adore it. You can forgive a lot. It's fun. Can, it's definitely fun. Yes.
0: Yeah. You can forgive a lot with these type of films. You know, it's it's a Halloween sequel. It's you know a silly slasher film. Yeah. You know it's not. It's not Shiner's list we can forgive some weirdness or some inaccuracies Mm. or, you know, if it's too, it gets a little ridiculous at times. And it does stick out like a sore thumb, how quiet this hospital is. (laughs) It's absolutely ridiculous. It's jarring. So that I don't forgive, but there's a lot you can't forgive.
2: Because it's set immediately after the first film, Jamie Lee Curtis had begun to wear a much shorter hairstyle in the 80s. So what does that lead to? A shit wig. This wig should get an extra acting credit. It is something else. <laughs> it's trying to match your hair in the first film, but it is not happening. No, it's giving me <laughs> Leslie Gore. It's, <laughs> it's
0: way more 60s than 70s. Yeah. It's got a life of its own.
2: Also, Jiminy Curtis is in this film for 25 minutes. Charles Cyphers is in this for 10 minutes, and they both get top billed cast.
0: Yeah. Donald,
2: well, Donald, Donald Pleasant uh, is in it? Um, oh, come on, he's in like, the whole fucking film. You... <laughs> this is his film, and he I'm pretty sure he made sure of that on set. <laughs> with how much he chews up the scenery in this fucking film, oh he was gosh. loving his life. Was, that's probably what I'm told. The hospital <laughs> staff chewed the hell. <laughs> In a 1981 interview with Fangoria, Deborah Hill uh, told of how they were considering making the film in 3D. She said, Jesus we <laughs> Christ. We investigated a number of 3D processes, but they were far too expensive for this po- project. Uh, also, most of the projects we do involve a lot of night shooting, uh, evil lurks at night, and that's impossible to do a 3D. Yeah, this whole film is set at night, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they didn't do the 3D. <laughs> yeah, I'm very glad. Very glad. Uh, Leo Rossi introduced Jamie Lee Curtis to her future husband, Christopher Guest, through their mutual celebrity softball league. Ah, nice and they're still oh, to this day are. according to Dick Warlock Deborah Hill was on set throughout the shoot including his stalking scenes at one point he asked her about his slow walk and she replied it's fine keep doing that <laughs> after the release of the film she said in an interview that he walked too slow and didn't resemble Nick Castle's portrayal <laughs> oh shit <laughs> like oh yeah you're really good darling you're really good that's like, fucking shit he is <laughs> <laughs> fucking Dick Warlock, nah, no thanks, mate. This angered Warlock immensely as he felt well present during the shoot. She could have voiced her opinion and not been so bitchy, but um, she could have told him how to walk.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, seemingly no one else had a problem with Warlock. Dick walk. Warlock takes the role so fucking seriously. You're playing Michael Myers, come on. I mean, there's no wrong... Maybe Deborah Hill takes it too seriously. I mean... You're playing Michael Myers. you just got to look creepy and stand in the background. Yeah, I didn't really
0: notice, <laughs> if I'm being honest. It,
2: you, you know what? You could have told me as Nick Castle and I believe you. Yeah. yeah. It's just... It, the,
0: uh, at the end of the day... I'm, Sorry, I'm Dick. Sure Sorry what, if you listened to this. I'm sure I couldn't do it, but <laughs> it is essentially just a like guy in a suit, walking slowly.
2: However it is. slowly... It
0: is. <laughs> it's not really my business.
2: According to the original script, there's a scene depicting the blonde reporter's death. Her car breaks down on the side of the road without getting assistance from a guy who hits on her. With her responding in disgust, the truck driver then leaves her. And after the tyre tri- is replaced, she opens the trunk to Michael Myers, who then kills her and takes the car.
0: Okay, that that's absolutely <laughs> slash early 80s slasher film.
2: And her assistant... Is uh, played by Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey from, from Wayne's, World.
0: Wayne's World and Saturday
2: Night Live. Yeah. And Master of Disguise. Let's game. not talk about that. This is one of the only slasher films in nineteen eighty one to remain uncut. <gasps> the same year that such films as Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and My Bloody Valentine were heavily censored by the MPAA. Bastards. Um, but this is also banned in Iceland west germany and norway because of its violence and nudity no oh. yeah oh okay the scenes at the hospital were pretty tame really yeah i mean by the later sequel standards yeah it's really tame um as mentioned earlier um, when we were discussing the first film the child with the bleeding mouth and the uh, razor blade stuck to his mouth uh, was the was an idea for one of the anthology films that Carverton Hill wanted to make after this. David Lynch was briefly considered to direct this film. Can you imagine? The year after Elephant Man? Yeah. Dick Warlock sold the mask, knife, scalpel, boots and jumpsuit to a haunted house owner in Ohio in 2003. Oh. Warlock claims that because the producers expected this film to be the last film in the series, they let him keep the costume. Oh shit! However, after they did Halloween Four, they realized they made a massive mistake and never again let the cast and crew take props from the set. Therefore, subsequent sequels use different masks that look rather different. The mask Warlock wore is ex- is actually the exact same mask, a repainted and modified Captain Kirk mask worn in the original film. Uh-huh. It looks different in the sequel because the paint had faded due to a few reasons. First, because Nick Castle kept it in his back pocket during the shoots. Also Deborah Hill kept the mask under her bed for several years, uh, under the filming of Halloween until the filming of Halloween two, causing it to collect dust and yellow because Hill was a heavy smoker. And the mask appears wider because Dick Warlock is shorter and stockier at five foot nine than Nick Castle who's five foot ten, so the mask fit his head differently. Okay. An interview with John Carpenter revealed that the whole Michael and Laurie being brother and sister was a consequence of the airing of the original film on TV. After NBC had obtained the television broadcast rights, they contacted him with a request for more footage since the film was too short for the intended time slot. Carpenter, who was making little progress on his Halloween 2 script, then conceived of the whole hidden family connection. Inspired by the Luke, I am your father revelation from Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. God. The twist allowed him to film additional scenes for Halloween, which retroactively uh, dropped hints to the family connection, such as the scene inside Michael Myers' cell where the word sister is carved onto his door, and at the same time served as a plot device to get his new script going. Carpenter later said: the whole brother and sister thing was awful, just awful. It's not great. No. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make sense. Body count ten. Nine are killed by Michael. And a poor, unfortunate soul was killed in a traffic accident. That's true. Getting into the film, whilst Sheriff Brackett and Dr. Loomis hunt for Michael Myers, a traumatised Laurie is rushed to hospital and the serial killer is not far behind her. We start with Mr. Sandman by the Cordettes. Why? Because it would later become... A Halloween staple. That appears in H2I, basically. Even yeah, why? I don't know. It's about, it's it about the Sandman comes to you in your sleep. It works. Out. I it mean, would when... work for a nightmare on Elm Street. It's true, but I mean, I think, whenever I hear a song now, I think of Halloween straight away. It's just kind of, I don't know, it's weird, it shouldn't work, but it does. We start with a flashback, because it's the 80s now, and this is what we do. And when I say a flashback, we get the entire final ten minutes of uh, the first Halloween film. Yep. Uh, Michael Myers is shot seven times. We do count. It was seven. So, they've re and fallen off the balcony. I have no idea why. Makes no difference to the scene. No. Um, Sam Loomis shoots him off the balcony. He survives. Leaves a big Michael Myers print in the grass. <laughs> and escapes into the night. Dr. Loomis has the neighbour to call the police and the neighbour wants to know if it's some sort of joke because he's been trick-or-treated to death tonight. To which Dr. Loomis sets the tone for the rest of the film and says, You don't know what death is! <laughs>
0: I Then we go to the Halloween... Yeah, to the
2: pumpkin credits. The
0: iconic Halloween uh, pumpkin credits. I like what they do with <clears throat> this one. Rather than it... Um... Oh no! It no. It just it just stays there in the first one, doesn't it? It zooms in. Oh, it, yeah, it zooms in, but nothing happens to the pumpkin. No. Whereas this one opens up. Yeah. And there's like a skull inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's twenty eighteen where
2: it goes mouldy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um. There's a slightly more eighties version of the theme song, which I I really like. Yeah. Um. And Nancy Loomis is credited as Annie. She plays a corpse. Does she? Spoiler. Wandering the alleys, Michael watches Loomis frantically telling cops that he shot him six times.
0: Yes. Uh, Number one, I don't know why kids are still (laughs) trick-or-treating. What's their names? The kids from the first film were in bed. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Tommy and Lindsay. Tommy
0: and Lindsay were in bed, so I don't know why there's still kids out trick-or-treating this late at night. Not very safe. (laughs) Secondly, Donald Pleasant's Brings the ham. Oh, he does. He chews up the scenery. He's so over the top in his delivery throughout the whole film. Um, I think I think he's just having fun. He's like, it's just a shit sequel. They're paying me way more than they paid me for the first (laughs) one. Let's just have a bit of fun. I'm top build cast. Whatever, top build cast. You know, let's ham it up. Speaking of ham.
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah, Michael walks into an elderly couple's home. Uh, the wife is making a ham sandwich and she wants to know if her husband wants mayo or mustard on it. He's asleep watching Night of the Living Dead on the TV. Everyone's favourite domain, public domain movie. Yeah. It's interrupted by a news report about Michael Myers. And I think this sequence is by far the scariest sequence in the film because he's just doing what he did in the first film and that's what worked in the first film. Mm. He just walks into their house. He's there in the background watching it. He's like, oh, TV. Oh, that me. That's me on TV. <laughs> um, and he just takes their kitchen knife. So the wife goes back to the kitchen. She's got her rollers in, hasn't she? She has, yes.
0: Um,
2: and she finds Michael's blood, whilst Barbara on the TV tells Johnny... He's ignorant. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we get an off camera kill. It's off screen, isn't it?
2: And a scream. Do you think they get killed?
0: Yeah.
2: I feel like she just found the blood. Because he left. Oh, okay. He left with the knife. I feel like she just, just screamed and she the found knife. the blood. Okay. Um, but then she doesn't respond to the
0: neighbour? No. So there's the neighbour who was concerned after hearing her scream. She she was on the phone, but she goes outside and she's like, Mrs. whatever, whatever mm. her name is. Are you okay? Mrs. Mrs and, and she gets no response. So she goes back in and she's on the phone to a, a I'm assuming a, a a friend. A good Judy. Her good Judy. And she says eh, not a very nice thing to say. Maybe he got angry and started beating her. <laughs> okay.
2: But what she's been number nice to him? Yeah.
0: Like, um, she didn't wake him
2: up from his sleep she didn't right. sleeping you know being considerate about what he wanted on his sandwich yeah um
0: yeah so apparently <coughs> that's her go to she didn't actually go to the house to <laughs> no. investigate the scream or anything like that phone call's far too important phone call's far too important um but she kind of gets what she deserves don't she because well, yeah. after a phone call Michael very stealthily jumps out of nowhere yeah uh, you, know, you haven't seen him jump <laughs> in the first no, film.
2: no, that's Dick Wallops. He's more of a move. stork
0: than a pouncer. <laughs> uh, but he pounces on her and
2: uh, slits her throat. Yeah? Yeah? It, it looks like, it honestly looks like an S Club 7 dance move when he pounces out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still a scary scene. I mean, yeah, like I said, this, this little sequence is a continuation of the first film. That's what we got. Apart from the pouncing, that's what we got in the first book. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Laurie Strode, now with her iconic wig, uh, is taken to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. Yeah, she's scheduled for a biopsy on the wig to see uh, what's wrong with it. <laughs> um, Loomis continues his pursuit of Michael, accompanied by Paul Lind, Sheriff Lee Brackett, who is really pissed off of Loomis for some reason. And blames him for letting Michael out of Smith's crow. That was never said in the first film. He just escaped. Like... But well, the, the, um,
0: <laughs> the line that he says is that damn you for letting him go. Yeah. Um, it, was,
2: it was the end of his job. He, yeah. A kid with a pirate costume is taken to the hospital with a razor blade in his mouth. And it looks fucking disgusting.
0: It is. I hate shit like that. It this. genuinely
2: looks awful. Yeah.
0: It does. Um... It's the old urban legend about razor blades yeah. and the apples, isn't it? In mm-hmm. the candy, Halloween candy. Um, they put Laurie to sleep. They do. So Jamie Lee doesn't have to be in the film as much. <laughs> um, yeah, and she just, you know—she does not look happy to be there. She doesn't. She She's, does not want to be in the film. There's some contractual obligation. Absolutely. Is this will be
2: post. Um, Night. Yeah, this'll be when she's sick of being a screen queen. This'll be after... Which legit. Yeah,
0: she, yeah, so she doesn't show her tits until she goes legit. Yeah. Um, so this is the part where she's like, Oh my God, I'm typecast. I need a proper I'm typecast. I'm <laughs> typecast and they got me in this shit wig.
2: <clears throat> um, and you know what? This, this is why it's so nice to see her come back now and actually enjoy the role and be so dedicated to it and everything. Yeah. Like, you know she actually wants to do it now.
0: But also... In the first film, Laurie Strode is an interesting character. In the second film, Laurie Strode is not an interesting character. No, she's
2: just dumped off in a hospital. Yeah. With a love interest.
0: She's not in... A a kind of love interest. Yeah. It doesn't really go anywhere. Um, She's not a very interesting character. For, you know, a woman in, I I believe, her 60s, Mm. when Halloween 2018 was made, you know... That is a fucking interesting character. Yeah. Yes, it's a very action-heavy horror film, mm-hmm. but that's an interesting character yeah. to play. Yeah. You know, and she's always sort of been drawn towards those sort of characters, mm. you know, swapping bodies with Lindsay Lohan. was a real <laughs> stretch. Having I mean, to put up with yes. Tim Allen moaning <laughs> all the fucking time.
2: Anyone Hickory, honey
0: Hickory <laughs> Honey Ham running away. Hickory Honey Ham played by Donald Pleasance. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of which, Loomis mistakes our Lord and Saviour. Oh no. Costumed teenager. Costumed drunk teenager. Ben Tramer for Michael Myers. Resulting in him trying to shoot him. <laughs> Whilst Brackett is, like, desperately trying to stop him from shooting him, (laughs) causing Ben Traver to run away, and in a bizarre series of events, get hit by a fucking police car, burnt to death. Yeah.
0: So the police car rams into him, then rams into a truck, which (laughs) explodes, explodes, and he's burnt to death. And they're stood there, looking at is it Michael... Who is it? I can't tell. Ta- I can't tell he's on fire. I'll, I'll, I'll just hope, I'll have to hope for
2: the best. Give him an autopsy. I read somewhere about this scene, and I can't remember where I fucking read it. I don't know it's not in the trivia. That someone... I think someone asked Rick Rosenfall... I, I hope this is just a joke. But mm. I think it was serious. Someone asked Rick Rosenfall why did he explode. I think it's because he was that drunk and he had that much alcohol in his system. Shit. up. he fucking
0: exploded. you even that <laughs> So, I've got a few questions. I hope it's the truth. I hope that's the real truth.
2: I hope that is the truth. That's absolutely ridiculous.
0: Number one, why did Ben Tramer walk like Mr Bean when he was being chased?
2: Before that, he was slowly walking up to the kids like
0: he was Michael Myers. Exactly. Number two, why is this Halloween mask so popular that it has a blonde variant? Because this is a blonde version. It's true,
2: it's true.
0: Thirdly, why is Ben Tramer wearing a boiler suit when Michael <laughs> stole his boiler suit from a lorry driver in the first film? It can't break... I mean, what's the outfit? So the idea was that he stole the Halloween mask, the mask. So it must have been related to something. What we don't we don't Star ne- Trek. in the first film we don't necessarily need to know he just stole the mask he yeah. wears it it's iconic in this one for Ben Tramer to be wearing it what's who is this <laughs> who is the mask of Ronald Reagan no it's Captain Kirk. Yeah, but it's not Captain Cook because it's, Captain Kirk, it's turned in,
2: Captain, Kirk. Captain Kirk turned inside out. I'll tell you what's really Pale
0: And his eye's bigger.
2: We all know Ben Tramer is the moment. He is the future. So as soon as he heard, oh shit, there's a serial killer out on the loose in my town. Do you know what? I am going to be the moment. I'm going to be current, modern. No one's going to think of this gown. I'm going to dress up as this serial killer. There you go. groundbreaking. him. He, he Everyone he will be it, I mean. gagged. It will never get me killed. He was ahead of the times. <laughs>
0: and to go blonde, I mean,
2: <laughs> groundbreaking. So yeah, I'm gonna give myself a new do. It's gonna be better than Jamie's. Um. And then
0: he, he's like, uh, who's this fella been hanging out with? Uh, Laurie, she, Laurie's my bird. I, anything he can do, I can do better. Watch this.
2: And it's the end of Ben Tramer. Sadly, rest in peace. Rest in... <laughs> right, um, no one gives a shit. Well,
0: you say that's the end of Ben Tramer, The new trilogy forgets this
2: film existed. It, that's true. I hope it's not the end of Ben Tramer. Um, <laughs> let's just hope he's not had much alcohol in the new film I know, might explode. Um,
0: <laughs> a cup... Can okay, we went... We had two nights out over the weekend. So oh. we didn't explode.
2: Deputy Gary Hunt shows up and says to Brackett, they found three kids. They think one of them was Annie. And uh, Brackett dramatically grabs him. They get in the car and drive drive off, leaving poor Ben Tramer to burn. I know.
0: (laughs) Well, I am being funny, I think think, uh, John Carpenter was six cans in at this point. I know, yeah. Because surely... (laughs) Loomis and Brackett knew about the deaths, <laughs> and they would have. Not, I mean, that's where he shot him seven or six times. Was in the house, and his body was in the other room. Surely that's where the police went. Surely the sheriff would have been involved, and in, I just—it yeah, so, doesn't make any sense. It just makes no sense whatsoever. It's been on the fucking news already. Why have they only just found out? The two people... They are awful. Fucking awful at investigating. <laughs> they are terrible. Yeah, they, they're sort of the
2: worst cops. <laughs> it's film.
0: ridiculous.
2: You know John Carpenter was just sat there with <laughs> fucking six cans and like, Ben Tramer? <laughs> Don't fucking think so, darling. You're fucking getting it. <laughs> Not even by Michael Myers. <laughs> He's a bit, oh, Nancy Loomis needs a paycheck. <laughs> Shall we just, oh, just yeah. write this in? Bracket is shown dead Annie. Nancy Loomis' big cameo. As a corpse. Yeah, he says, Annie, are you okay? Shut <laughs> the Are
0: you okay? Are you okay, Annie? He
2: closes her eyes in a very emotional scene, blames Loomis, again. <laughs> Who the fuck said it was an emotional scene? <laughs> oh, I'm still talking about the Ben Travers scene. Oh. Um, and abandons the search, leaving Deputy Gary Hunt and his terrible acting skills to take his place. Loomis gives Hunt the classic Michael Myers isn't human monologue <clears throat> for the first of two times. A kid with a boombox listens to How Loomis Shut Michael six times. Honestly, it's mentioned so many fucking times in this film. Two girls.
0: Well, I'm so sorry. I've just noticed what I typed down. I put easy payday for Nancy Loomis, and Donald Pleasant can't choose a volume. <laughs> he can't. <laughs> he don't know which one he's me, so going. have no. got you know, he's like, I want to keep it even, so I have to keep going up two or down two. I can't, can't go on the odd number on the uh,
2: volume. <laughs> Two girls discussed how much of a terrible time they had at Stevie Max Halloween party. Okay, so they've just been to a Halloween
0: party. Yes, they're about to start work. Stevie so Max Halloween. Stevie party. Max Halloween. Stevie, Stevie, Stevie Mac. <laughs> um, so they've been to a party. Mm-hmm. Seemingly they've left early because yep. they've got work. They haven't been drinking. I understand that. What time is it? I know, there is no sense of time in this film. No. There's still kids trick or treating, but it's still the same night. Yeah. Where. Oh my god, why do I keep forgetting these kids' names? Lindsay, Tommy, and and Tommy. (laughs) It's still the same night that they were in
2: bed. Yeah. And also, spoiler alert, they tried this film as kind of, you know, a a continued series of events. Like, Mm. it's all. In real time. Yeah. You know, they try and make think fingers all in real time. Hence the wig. By the end of the film, it's daylight. Yeah. So, I don't know what time they're going for. No. Um, yeah, why was Tommy and Lindsay's parents not home? Yeah. I mean, Tommy's... Yeah, and Were yeah. they staying away? Well, no, that's not a question. Found... Yeah, it. okay. <laughs> I'm not allowed to question <clears throat> the first No, thing.
0: no, that is weird. That is weird. Um, like why why would Lindsay be allowed to stay over at someone else's house Because <laughs> Annie needed to get some
2: um nurse Karen says she's never going to a party again especially Stevie Mack's party mm. um she reluctantly gives the other girl a lift boombox kid bumps into Michael Myers as the news report reads out Laurie's location that is the only reason that this boombox kid Dick Warlock's son might I add yeah. is in this film yeah so if you hadn't
0: have done this...
2: Yeah, Michael Myers would never have known where she was. He wouldn't
0: have known.
2: Oh, oh Laurie, I recognise that name. Although, in
0: fairness, the person you've just stabbed and thrown down the stairs <clears throat> is probably going to be at the hospital.
2: <laughs> at the hospital, paramedic and full-time creep Jimmy uh, begins to fall in love with Laurie. He just stares at her for ages and whispers Oh, my God. Hard.
0: I mean, I ain't being funny. Ben Tramer is still warm. He hasn't been gone that long. (coughs) Stop trying to hit on his bird.
2: Head nurse Virginia Alves is not amused with this and she limits the time that they spend together. Bird um, is just as much of a creep, maybe slightly less actually. Jimmy's fucking weird. Um, At least he's obvious about it. uh, Karen comes in for a shift after Stevie Mac's disappointing party. And Bud sings Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. Don't make me cry, I need your pie. Lyrics from the bottom of his heart. Yes.
0: Now, I know the actor, I forget his name, uh, from The Accused, uh, where he played a real fucking piece of shit. Well, there we go. Uh, Great (laughs) film, highly recommend it. Um, So I kind of hated him from the beginning. (laughs) He's good at, the like, the sleazy sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody, I, I don't know, the security guard is watching Dementia 13. He is. Everyone's second favourite public domain film. Uh-huh. Actually, no. Second favourite horror public domain film. Yeah. I think... Not even second. The House on Oh, God, yeah. But then also Charade. Yeah. with Of um, Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. That's public domain, too. Is his girl Friday public
2: <clears> domain? <throat> Maybe. I think so. My Man Godfrey. Oh, that's a great films. Jimmy brings Laurie up to date with exposition about Mark Myers and his escape from Smith's Grove, just in case you missed out. Michael makes his way to the hospital where he wanders the halls, cuts the phone lines, and disables the cars. Mr. Garrett, the security guard with a, a very weak moustache, wasn't oh, one of the best, yeah. was it? that was a bit crap. He finds stuff stolen from the storage cupboard and tries telling Nurse Janet she's too dumb to use a walkie-talkie. This leads to Sorry. Michael killing Mr. Garrett with a hammer to the head.
0: Yes, uh, Mr.
2: Garrett's very bouncy head. Yeah. <laughs> I did, I did, there was very much a bounce to it. Hunt and Loomis are at the autopsy of who they think is Michael Myers, and we all know it's not, when it's revealed that the teeth belong to a 17 or 18-year-old, but oh, Michael's 21. No. People are shouting at and uh, smashing up the Myers' house. Hunt... What are they actually shouting? I don't know. That's...
0: It's it's literally the kind of the shit you get in the sit like, ah, the ah, fuming.
2: They're fuming, but they're not actually coherent. It's something that looks like Halloween Kills is going to do maybe a little better and it'd make more sense. Yes. <laughs> um, because Anthony Michael Hall is yeah. it. Yeah, okay. Hunt gives Loomis a cigarette and a lighter, which he just holds. Yeah, I was you disappointed. I, oh my God, it's the lighter, it's yes! It's the lighter. No! Oh my God, I didn't realise. <clears throat> Two kids tell them that Ben Tramer is very drunk, he's very missing, he's very 17 years old, and he's wearing a very stupid mask. Very rude. Dr. Loomis is like, shit, we just killed the best character.
0: Yeah, and the police officer says, well, it is a little after 11,
2: boys. <laughs> what fucking time is How it? How is it a little after 11? <laughs> so, are they going back in time? <laughs> it's so confusing. In a hospital room, Laurie dreams about the time that she learned she was adopted and remembers she once visited a young Mocha Myers in the sanitarium
0: it is yeah it's absolutely ridiculous it is it really is it's so stupid it's really poorly written i'm sorry john carpenter but it's really poorly written it's it's so it's absolutely ridiculous and it's just a rem flashback to the time that her mum turned around and said i'm not your real mum and that's it <laughs> i'm not your real
2: mum. what the fuck's that about it's such a stupid storyline. It's so unnecessary. Just It takes away so much of what makes it scary and intense. Before this point, in, in another bit of bad writing,
0: Nurse Karen is scared by one of the buzzers going off. A noise you must hear numerous times each and every day. <laughs> like, so when someone, the emergency button... It goes off. Like, you must hear that a lot. <laughs> you must, surely you must be used to that. They're both pieces of shit because um, it's actually Bud who's pressed the alarm. Mm-hmm. He wants to get um,
2: a some finger, finger exercise. Skis. That's what he refers to it as a okay. finger exercise.
0: And they're both absolute slime balls because they leave newborn babies unattended <laughs> Because there's no one else on the ward, <laughs> they leave these newborn babies unattended to go have a quick shag yeah. in what I always thought was a hot tub. I don't know why. I don't know why the hospital would have a hot tub, but it, it's like one of those It looks like a baths. hot tub. Yeah. It's um, like pain relief baths. Yeah. Things. So, yeah. So, after the absolutely fucking ridiculous dream... Um, they're in the bath together. Some
2: of the best dialogue in the film. <laughs>
0: they're getting a little intimate,
2: aren't they? Yeah. But the water's a bit too hot. Well, she says, it's hot in here. And Bud says, it's just me. Are you fucking kidding me, John Carpenter? <laughs> How fucking drunk have you got to be to think that's a good line to include in the film?
0: <laughs> well, it's getting hot in there because... Old Michael Myers has turned up the temperature. He's turned up the heat. Um, I don't know what... One thing I don't understand is why does the temperature go up that high? <laughs> why is it allowed to go up I that know. high? Surely there should be a stop off Because the whole purpose of the bath is to help people. Yeah. Not boil them alive. But anyway. Um, I actually quite like this scene. Yes. Uh, Bert is... Goes to inspect... The temperature. Uh-huh. He's strangled in the background <clears throat> as Karen's sort of like prepping her towel and yeah, and it's absolute silence it. as well. Absolute silence. Really good. Um, and then Karen is drowned, slash scolded mm. in the water. Yeah. Um. She. She got face like a bath bomb. And <laughs> yeah. She, you know when the bath bombs like half uh-huh. done. Um, face peeling off. Face peeling off. Very reminiscent of Deep Red. Yeah. Um, which I've uh, never seen. I love. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed that death scene. This
2: is the moment where it's like, okay, we're in the 80s now. Inventive deaths are inventive in.
0: Inventive deaths. Yeah. No more strangling from the back. Scene. Yeah.
2: And before this, Malcolm strokes strokes uh, Karen's shoulder and she starts kissing his hand. I've, that's just look fucking disgusting. Yeah. It's, imagine the places his hands have fucking been. Oh, Lord. And she doesn't notice. So... Fucking God how dirty Bud's hands were. Yeah. She, yes, she has no yeah. idea until she turns around. Well, it was actually Deborah Hill's
0: hands. Uh, <laughs> someone's broken into the school and they've written the word fate a thousand times on the chalkboards.
2: Not quite, not but really. not far off. Um, Lewis and Hunt go to investigate. And Michael... Has wrote Sam Hain on a chalkboard. I went to school with him. And sister on a desk. Oh. He was talking about his favorite Eurovision entry from two years ago. Um. <laughs> okay. Sometimes we are niche on this podcast, but that is. They didn't even get one vote. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. No one's gonna get that. <laughs> Um, I mean, if you want to find it, it's easy to find. The song's called Sister, and the artist's called Sister. Um, So, he's discovering clues to Sam Haim and the occult, which might explain Michael Myers' apparent indestructibility. (laughs) Because why would you want it left to the imagination, hey? I know. His colleague Marion Chambers, yes, arrives to escort him back to... Yeah. The woman who probably should have died in the first <laughs> one. She's back to escort him back to Smith's Grove on the governor's orders and under the enforcement of a US marshal. Oh. Jimmy's being creepy again, uh, but this time he's whispering to Laurie while she's in some sort of state staring into space.
0: It's so weird. <laughs> like, you the, hey, pretty
2: girl. Yeah. Like, her eyes are open and we are like... <laughs> I thought she was,
0: like, sleeping with her eyes open. And then it's like, oh, she's had a terrible reaction to the medication or whatever. Yeah, which disappears
2: quite quickly. Which
0: does. It's completely pointless. Uh, Dr. Mixter, (laughs) who I'm struggling to remember, is murdered in his office with a knife to the head. Oh,
2: great scene. In a really great scene. Yeah. Because the lighting in his office is just from a fish tank. So it's just this green spotlight, um, and again, you know, badly lit, probably should turn the light on, but it works, it's really this, intense. This film is dark. Yeah.
0: This film is, an, you know it pisses me off, you know it is, uh, you know it was coming, switch the fucking light on. But it works in this scene. It works in this scene. But it every, works in this yeah. scene, because, yeah, but also Michael because he's cut been the the murdered lights. and he's
2: left. Michael Myers cut the lights. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, he, he perfs the middle of the lights going out in the building. Oh, fucking hell. Um, when he killed the security guard. Well, he's a twat for doing
0: that, because it affects my enjoyment of his film.
2: Um. Yeah, so Nurse Janet finds Dr. Mixter with a needle in his eye, in his head, wherever it is. A knife in his head. Um, And uh, Michael slowly appears from behind her, like in the first film, and then sticks a needle into her head and kills her. Yes, puts a needle on it. Um, Michael heads to Laurie's room and tries to stab her, but she's fooled him. She played a massive prank with pillows and a duvet. Jimmy and Nurse Jill search the hospital for Laurie whilst she tries to escape, because she's all better now. Oh, yeah. We're really treated to a very long,
0: slow, agonising scene of her walking around <laughs> Yeah, an empty run <laughs> hospital. And then just sort of stopping in a room and curling (laughs) up in a ball on the floor. Yeah, she does this multiple times. Absolute excitement of it all. Uh, Nurse Jill can't find the security guard. But she does find a jump scare from Jimmy. She does. Because he's a creep and I'm surprised he wasn't in on the murders.
2: He then finds the body of Mrs. Alvis before slipping in a pool of her blood and knocking himself unconscious. Unfortunately yeah. not killing
0: it. Mrs Alvis was done dirty. Because, mm-hmm. number one, she's the only non-white character in the film. And she's just constantly totally, aggressive. And she is. It's... it's she's, like, a stern head nurse. Laurie's, like, quite rude to her. Yeah. Um, when you look at the deleted scenes from the film, she's in the film a lot more. Yeah. Um, I think somebody was done dirty, and... In all seriousness, I think it's a real shame because, yeah. you know, the Halloween films are very white. Yeah. Like, really very white. Have you will seen Halloween Resurrection? <laughs> well, I like the representation, <laughs> but did it have to be Karate Mr. <clears throat> rhymes?
2: That was this director apologising for, uh, yeah, for, for... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um... Ah, oh, shit, i down on my notes. Where were we? Where, where were we? We're right. Where are you? So, yes, he finds uh, yeah, Mr. Uh, Mixter, Mrs. Alvis. Mr. Dead. Mixter? Yeah. Who do you think you are? <clears throat> Jill finally finds Laurie, only to be killed by Michael in an iconic scene where he looks like he's given her a wedgie, um, but instead he's put a scalpel in her back and lifted her off the ground.
0: It's absolutely an atomic wedgie yeah. that kills her. And um, I'm here for
2: it. But yeah, lifts it off the ground and then just does her way over, throws her away.
0: Yes, Michael chases Laurie all around the hospital and everything. <laughs> uh, we have a very slightly tense scene with an elevator. Um, I wrote that down, but I can't really remember. Yeah, we put a scalp off through trying to stop it. Oh uh, yes, of course. She uh,
2: manages to escape to the car park and rides in the car.
0: Yes. Look, yeah, Laurie ends up hiding in the car in a, a quite full car park. Yeah. But, you know, pe- people are just parking there overnight and going somewhere else because no one's at the hospital.
2: Whilst on their way to Smith's Grove, Marion tells Loomis that Laurie is Michael's sister. She was put up for adoption after the death of Michael's parents yeah. with the records sealed to protect the family.
0: Yeah, before that, though, did you not get any of uh, Dr. Loomis's
2: fascinating chat about oh, animal sacrifices? he was just fucking
0: talking shit. Talking shit. But the big reveal, Laurie is Michael's sister, which Loomis probably should have already known given the timeline. Yeah. I'll go through this very quickly. Michael is 21. Mm-hmm. Laurie is 17. Yeah. Michael has been, it's been 15 years since his sister was murdered. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Laurie was two Mm -hmm. when Judith was murdered. Yeah. So why was she not featured in any of the, you know, paperwork? Any... Why, you know, if he's doing background checks, if he's a psychiatrist for 15 years, he would know that there was a two-year-old sister involved. Yeah, apparently they Even if she is adopted.
2: They worked hard to keep it secret. Yeah, apparently... Yeah, you know, Dr. Loomis was his doctor. Yeah. He was the one spending all the time with him. He, he was in charge of him. Why would he not be allowed that information?
0: And why would they put her up for adoption? Mm-hmm. What would be the point? Yeah. It's just really It's really just a shit twist. And it's a, it's a real shame because it continues for the rest of the films. Uh, yeah, this up until idea, 2018. Up until 2018. Even
2: the Rob Zombie ones. You know, it's... I, I don't even... I don't know why it was... It was a thing, even in it's, those films. It's very forced, isn't it? Mm. It's very forced, yeah.
0: and um, you know you had to have the big twist. What What was the film that he mentioned that had a twist or or oh um, Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, arse and seats with a big twist.
2: Well, this makes uh, Loomis realize that Michael's after Laurie, and uh, being told she was brought to the Hadfield Memorial Hospital, he forces the marshal at gunpoint. To drive back to Haddonfield.
0: Why would no one think that she was in the hospital? So stupid. One thing that really pisses me off, and it's it was in the trivia, but Marion is the only one that continues to refer to this hospital as a clinic. Yeah. And a clinic and a hospital are very much different uh-huh. things. Yeah. It's getting, it really got on my fucking nerves.
2: Jimmy arrives at the car where Laurie's hiding, and because he's a fucking idiot, he tries to drive into safety, but instead passes out on the horn, alerting Michael to her whereabouts. She could have just fucking waited there and survived, you know. I mean, she survives anyway, but she could have had a pain-free experience. Yeah. But no.
0: And the weird thing is, this is the last we see of Jimmy. Yeah.
2: That's it. There's an alternative ending where he's absolutely fine. Yeah. Still weird, but fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. In in this version, that's it. Yeah. Loomis, Marion, and the Marshal reach the hospital. Laurie is chased by Michael in a way that imitates the first film, which is running back to the house.
0: Oh my God, she's crawling on the floor as they're entering the hospital. She's like,
1: help,
0: help. They shut the door and she's like, help.
2: (laughs) Are you fucking serious? She bangs on the locked hospital door for ages before Loomis lets her in. Michael just walks through the glass door. (laughs) I know, yeah. It's like, just walk through it it's and smashes. Right? This. Loomis shoots him until he what's, falls down. What's
0: that American the Kool-Aid? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that a Kool Aid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or is that Mr. No, Randy, Randy Savage? It, it's Kool Aid. Oh, it's Kool Aid. Uh, no, not Kool Aid. It's Parade. No, Kool Aid. Kool Aid is the big jug guy. Oh, okay. And he just like yeah. smashes through uh, walls and shit. Loomis. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Loomis shoots Michael um, until he falls down, seemingly dead. How many times? Was it six?
0: I didn't count. Sorry. Maybe.
2: Whilst Marion calls the police, Michael awakens and slits the marshal's throat with a scalpel. Loomis and Laurie run into an operating room where he gives her the marshal's gun before he is stabbed by Michael. Now, in a great scene, and this is a really, really great scene. It could have been a really great end to these two films as a duo. Mm -hmm. Michael is shot in both eyes by Laurie, who is suddenly an expert marksman.
0: Yeah, so Loomis goes to give Laurie a gun, and she's like, no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't <laughs> hold a gun, No, I can't do it. Um, but when shit hits the fan, she's there, and she's like, bullseye, bitch, <laughs> yeah. one in each eye.
2: <laughs> and this is Laurie, was willing to use any weapon to help her survive in the first film. Like, oh, I don't want a gun. That ain't Laurie Strode. Yeah, like, if you've got a knitting needle... Um, oh, you can't use a gun, you got a knitting
0: needle, uh, you got a, uh, what else did she use? Oh, you got a, a wire coat hanger. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she shoots him both eyes, blinding him. Uh-huh. He staggers around, trying to find them. The two fill the room with flammable gas. Loomis orders Laurie to run before igniting the gas, saying, It's time, Michael, for dramatic effect.
0: Using the lighter that he stole earlier.
2: Making himself explode and Michael. Uh, the, whole, the hospital goes up. Laurie survives, obviously. Laurie watches as Michael, engulfed in flames, emerges from the fire before finally collapsing. Again, a Gracie, he's fucking on fire. Really he's crazy. dying. He's still going after Laurie. It's not stopping. That's really well shot as well. So, he's been blinded and he's been burnt alive. Burnt to a crisp. Yeah. Halloween 4, he comes back with his full eyesight and slight burn marks (sighs) on his hand. Loomis has fucking a few burns on his hand. Loomis was on fire. He died. Halloween H2O, again, ignores 4 and 5 and 6, straight from Halloween 2. Michael Myers has perfect eyesight and there is no burns to be found. What the fuck? That is just lazy right into the extreme. Now, I like Halloween 4 and H2O, but that is lazy right into the extreme. It's a difficult one. So, oh, we need him to come back. He's a fan favourite. Let's pretend. Well, we need money. You know, let's let's pretend he could see again. He was shot in both eyes. That eyesight's not coming back. Yeah. They would have been better off just
0: ignoring the second one. Like 2018 did. Yeah. But you would need Jamie Lee Curtis for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very weird
2: timeline. Well, I mean, she's in H2O. They had her anyway. Yeah. And that... But they didn't for part four. Yeah. Well, she died in a car, crash, didn't she? Bless her. Bless her. Bless her. Um, But yeah, but uh, great into this film, at least. Um, And the next morning, Laurie is transferred to another hospital, traumatised but still alive, and Mr. Sandman plays, whilst Michael Myers is still burning.
0: Why does she have to go to another hospital? Oh, we can't stay in that one now well, there's only one ward <laughs> yeah the whole hospital wasn't on fire <laughs> and apparently she was on the same ward as the newborn babies anyway so
2: yeah. but yeah I mean I look at that as a separate timeline itself one and two ends there you know it works as a duo <clears throat> but yeah that's Halloween 2. it's a fun sequel i it's one of the better ones that's for certain it's i'm just gonna
0: say it I'm gonna say it. I think as a whole, Halloween as a franchise mm. isn't great. No. And there's some real dire films. So in terms of the franchise as a whole, Halloween two ain't that bad. Comparing it to, say, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yeah. Or Friday the Thirteenth franchise, mm-hmm. it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, it's more memeable mm-hmm. than the first film which we appreciate yes uh, we love making a good meme from a very niche uh, <laughs> for a very niche um, film uh, but not that niche people, people know I mean, this yeah, is but, why they
2: listen to the podcast for yeah but
0: if, if I if I went to my mum and started quoting Halloween and Halloween started quoting
2: to your mum about Ben Tramer
0: she wouldn't <laughs> yeah huh,
2: Lindsay
0: <laughs> she would be like what are you on? <laughs> what's, what's happening here? Um, but it's not as good as the first film. not no, even close. It's not even. It's not even near.
2: No, just you can enjoy Halloween two more if you watch it as an eighty slasher film on its own. Um, you know, if you're looking for the same thing as the first film, you're going to be massively disappointed. So, where
0: would you put it in terms of Jamie Lee early eighties? Oh fucking hell!
2: Would you put it below Prom Night? Below Prom Night, below Terror Train. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Terror Train, I think, is fantastic. Um, yeah, Prom Night's Green great. Night. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's
0: very true. What else was she in the other?
2: Which is so weird. Uh, Road Games?
0: Is that really Road up? Games is
2: better than Halloween 2, easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't there, But then it's also not even close to being the worst Jamie Lee Curtis film. That would be and Christmas at the Cranks the Halloween Resurrection technically
0: ah yeah
2: that's true um but yeah it's, it's anyway, fun anyway
0: we're gonna do an, we're, I think we'll have to do an episode on Jamie Lee Curtis so. at some
2: point won't we uh it, it's it's fun it's you alright. know it's harmless it's okay it's it's just an 80s slasher film yeah so best kill I've got Nurse Jill's Scalpel Wedgie
0: I put and because I'm great at puns Bath Bombshell <laughs> Because she had a breast out at the
2: time. It's true. That is, it is a great death Gorgeous def. girl. Is a a lovely def. girl. Can't act for shit. <laughs> gorgeous girl. It is a great death scene.
0: It is. Yeah, there are, there are a couple of. They're more in, uh, inventive. Uh, inventive. Yes. Than uh, the first one. I mean. Which isn't necessarily a great thing, but it makes if, it slightly interesting. If they
2: didn't bring him back twice after this lineup, I would have gave it to Michael Myers, you know.
0: Oh, yeah, I suppose, yeah. I love, I love a firestone, actually.
2: One good scare. I've got the two opening home invasions. Again, because it carries on the tone from the first film. Yeah. Um. You know, there's a good jump scare with the pounce. It's good. It's a good sequence.
0: I agree with you there, actually. But I also uh, said Michael on fire. Yeah. I just really
2: love that shot. Yeah. I just... Yeah. He's still going. Still going. It reminds it's me of relentless. the Terminator, which was after this, actually. Yeah. Um. Most likeable character... I put Laurie again. Yes, Laurie. Even though for... she's not as interesting this time around, it's still Jamie Lee Curtis. We still, still remember it
0: from the first one, don't we? Most un... and that poor wig. I oh, mean, I know! I know. Stuck with that poor wig. I did feel for her. Bless her.
2: Most unlikable character. Michael Myers has already been dethroned.
0: Yeah. It's Jimmy. Jimmy. What a twat. What weirdo. What a creep! Yeah. Very strange. Yeah, he... I'm surprised there wasn't some sort of twist there. I know oh he could have
2: easily been the killer. He's he was yeah.
0: Oh god, oh god. Then we would have gotten into uh, Roy territory. Mm, that's true. Could you imagine if he was uh, if he was the killer and he wanted to uh, <laughs> fight for Laurie's affections? Yeah. So he set up Ben Tramer to get ran over. Oh shut the fuck! And off. he did all the murders. <laughs> And that's why you don't see him at the end of the film. Because that was never Michael Myers. That was Jimmy at the end, who was set on fire. That is why Michael Myers is okay in part four. You've heard it here first. That's why. Jimmy did a a Roy from, uh, what's his surname? Roy? Roy Burns. Roy Burns. Roy (laughs) Burns. Oh, my God. Perfect.
1: There we go.
2: So that's Halloween and Halloween 2. The first episode of Michael Myers through the years. The Immortal Classic and the sequel to the Immortal Classic. <laughs> um. Yes. So, if you're on social media, tell us what you think. We all know everyone loves Halloween. If you're a horror fan, and it's it's impossible not to. Um. We're Horracle cool Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horracle cool Trash on Twitter. Get in touch. Talk to us about Ben Tramer. <laughs> yeah, tell us your favorite
0: Ben Tramer moments. <laughs>
2: I'm dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, GazMate205 on Instagram and GasCruz92 on Twitter. I'm Chris 823
0: on Instagram, Twitter and Letterboxd. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe,
2: like a follow on everything else. Next week, we will be back on Tuesday with the Fawn trilogy. Yay! <laughs> the fucking Fawn Cult trilogy. Excited. Halloween 4, the Return of Michael Myers, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. And Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers.
0: Now, I've seen all these films and I am struggling to remember anything... Good Cops Do It by the Book. Apart from Good Cops Do It by the <laughs> Book and Paul Rudd <laughs> and Donald Pleasant's... Shout at oh God, shouting at Children. Oh, Shouting at Children. Hamming it up even more than part two.
2: Yeah, just as a bit of a preview, next week, expect Michael Myers crying... Michael Myers, the the court leader. Michael Myers incest. (laughs) Michael Myers wearing a London. Sorry, wrong one. Daniel Harris, expect Daniel Harris not talking for a whole film. Bumbling cops like you. You're in for a treat. We're not, but you, you guys (laughs) are. So we will see you on Tuesday. Bye. People who brought you Halloween. More of the night he came home.
0: Halloween 2. There was nothing within him, not a conscience, no reason. That wasn't even remotely human. Don't miss the all-new Halloween
1: 2. More of the night he came home. Halloween 2. Rated R. The horror continues. Now playing at a theater near you.